Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. This is episode 105. I'm Simon Sweetman, I'm your host, and this is a conversation with a woman called Ebony Lamb. She is the singer-songwriter and front person of a group called Eb and Sparrow. They are just about to release their third full-length uh, album. It's uh, out in a couple of weeks, and they're off on a nationwide tour. I'll have all the notes for that, and and um, and this links to that. And we 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 talk about that stuff, but we also talk a lot about everything up to her music career. She's been a solo mum. We talk about all of her experiences um, as as the, the child of a so, of a single parent um, raised by a solo dad, and. We talk through, yeah, we, we do all sorts of things actually. We have a really good plug for Wellington Library and for the library system in general. And um, I really enjoyed this conversation. It felt like a, a, a big sort of holistic chat. Uh, and I really like Eben Sparrow's music too. So um, you'll get to hear plenty of that and you'll get to hear, they've, you know, they've done some really cool things. And one of the sort of formative things for this band was opening for Rodriguez and we talk about that. That was a, a big deal, that gig. And uh, so yeah, they've, they've, they've toured up and down the country, they've made friends with a lot of musicians, they've worked their asses off. Um, usual story, I guess, in a, in a lot of ways, every musician thinks they've got a version of this story. Well, this is Ebony's one, and I really, I mean, I've met her a few times over the last couple of years, but this was the first big conversation we had, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks, as always, to uh, Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat, and Yeasty Boys. And uh, yeah, this is me chatting with uh, Eben Sparrow's singer-songwriter and front person, Ebony Lamb. We're going to talk about the um, new album and the tour and I guess everything else, but it strikes me that you're someone whose music I know and we've met a few times, but I really don't know anything about you apart from, <laughs> apart from, what we, apart from your music and what we were just starting to talk about off tape about both coming from Hawke's Bay, yeah. but um, a few years apart. So. Um, not you know, not knowing each other there, but knowing quite a few of the same people because you went through Steiner and people either know nothing about Rudolf Steiner or, yeah. or they do. Like so, if there's a Rudolf Steiner school in your town, yeah. and you end up knowing a few people, uh-huh. that's such a little community that you end up, you know, two it's two degrees of separation. Quite a polarizing um, conversation to have. Quite often, the Ste- yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that, isn't it? People that go to Steiner feel um, that I've talked to in this sort of capacity, yeah, they feel like they have to preface it. They don't just go, oh, you went to school at Steiner. They, there's an explanation that they either feel they have to give or that they're worried that they have to, you know. Uh, I think there's been, there's well, it's an alternative school, you know. Yeah. And it can be quite a challenge. Yeah. To comprehend, but I was, you know, like, I'm... I went to six state schools by the time I was seven mm. in Taronga. It was pretty intense. And so, for me, when we went to the Steiner school, it was, um, well, I didn't... I don't know. My dad made that decision. He was like, we've got to do this. This is either Auckland or Hawke's Bay, because nothing mm. else is working right. I, 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 we had a very complex start to to life, me and my sister, I think, with him, and um, he just knew, he just he just knew that it wasn't going to work unless we went there, so we went there, and, we, and it became the rest of our lives of schooling, and it's a huge impact, because you're with the same group for 12 mm. years, mm. and and you get to know people in the wider community, so as you become a teenager, like we were talking about, I didn't realise that you were from Hawke's Fay, mm. and even though 
there's some years apart it's like you know who I am really mm. probably from that actually because I don't know it's like anybody that lives in a small town that has you know it's kind of like you've got to fight to not be yeah. a bogan yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> or to listen to ninety-three, <laughs> or to listen to mainstream radio, yeah, yeah. Is, and become this other thing. So we hot, were really lucky. Hot hits ninety-three FM. Oh, fuck. I probably shouldn't swear <laughs> on the thing, but I used to listen to Rick D's The Weekly Top yeah. Forty as a kid. Yeah. And and my dad bought. This is when I was about ten, mm-hmm. and my dad bought me a yellow Walkman. Yeah, and I would tune in, yeah. and I just loved it. I didn't yeah. love everything, but I yeah. loved that I had my own Walkman, and yeah, yeah. I loved that I got to listen to my radio on a Saturday morning. I was a red Walkman for me, and mm-hmm. I'm yeah used to record. I also had like the little boombox mm-hmm. thing that I would record yeah. what the radio record yeah. tapes, and then listen to them in the red Walkman. Yeah, yeah I used to Cindy Lauper, yeah, Madonna, yeah. Um, Tiffany Billy, Billy Ocean Tiffany yeah all that stuff <laughs> I um, used to put mine because my little player right up next to the radio yeah. and record that way yeah yeah so it was right in front of the speaker yeah and listen so back I could to it with listen a, back to it with a distortion yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't care because it just yeah. t- it didn't wasn't about the quality it was about getting the experience yeah yeah, yeah. so um, complex start to life but happy childhood or difficult difficult and po- and wonderful and yeah. happy at the same time it yeah. was really difficult we we um, left all of our family my dad was a solo father mm-hmm. from the time I was three and my sister was one and we that's really young I've got no and I love my mum my mum's mm. still alive mm-hmm. my father unfortunately passed away a few years ago and but my dad was a really intense personality mm. who who had two little girls and I don't think he thought this was going to be his lot in life you know right. like yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. he was really smart and also really liberal in his thinking and he came from a pretty conservative not conservative in a bad way a good, a good stock New Zealand farming family and he just didn't fit that mould mm. but he still I believe has a lot of had a lot of the kind of moral compass that that gives, you know. Like mm. he went to Morrinsville College, and he I don't know, he was good at maths and academia and stuff like that. And I'm useless at anything to do with that. Yeah. So we fought most of the time. <laughs> he was really didn't want to be what I would call um, have be summed down by the big man. Mm. He couldn't commit to normal work, mm. and he had a lot of things to say about that and his whole life was dedicated to trying to get real about it and and I think us moving to the Hawke's Bay for our education was really important and it was important to him that he could exist in a way that made him happy. So you only went to Hawke's, you went to Hawke's Bay primarily for the Steiner totally. experience? Totally and only for yeah. the school. So he didn't know He didn't know anybody. anyone there? No right. but we turned up and he's wearing pink corduroys and a white singlet and he's got a, a long beard and really long hippie hair and I mean he looked beautiful. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we lived in all sorts of places um, but we stayed there the whole time and you know as a result I've in Hastings. In Hastings, Tiawonga. Yeah. Um, we've lived in 15 different houses in my childhood. I counted them up. Yeah, it was a big thing because our 
family of origins or Bay of Plenty. And I don't, and I love them, but I don't do you, have yeah, any compulsion. Yeah, I was going to say, do you feel connected ne- to the Bay of Plenty at all? Not to the land, no. not to that way of life. Not like and you do I, that's going to come across really bad to people that live in Bay of yeah. Plenty, but there is actually a website called Taronga Music Sucks, and yeah. I follow them, and yeah, I love yeah. them, and yeah, we're yeah. totally... <laughs> they're a bit they're a bit naughty sometimes but I'm like it, they're not wrong yeah yeah there's a, a thing about yeah and I mean my mum still lives there and she loves it uh, my grandmother loves it and I love all of them but I I like to go visit and I really love leaving yeah yeah and so music's part of your life as a listener pretty early on from the moment I was born, I reckon. So I remember, and I think it might have been the glue pot, but mm. I'm not sure, but I remember getting in a car. My dad was really into rock and roll. He's into The Who. He was into quite... I don't know, we've got a lot of... I've got, I inherited a lot of vinyl, Jefferson Airplane, and the orchestra. Oh, there's a, oh, I can't remember who they are now. There's a, just bands that not everybody's heard of. Mm-hmm. And he was a deep follower, and they're usually pretty psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. And but also a huge lover of all things Beatle, especially the old, you know, things like Double White Album was probably his favourite. Mm. That kind of stuff. He's a bit of a touchstone to that stuff. But blues is really important to my dad and his mates from the Blues Brothers, which was a really renowned kind of Auckland covers band. So we used to get in the Cadillac at that stage <laughs> with his two little girls. We go up. And watch it in the big smoke of Auckland. And I do remember falling asleep underneath the table as a like a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone looked after us. It was and it was. I loved it. I was electrified. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. And yeah. we listened to a lot of records at home. And he led us. Like yeah. he led us. Teach you how to flip them over. Oh yeah, he taught yeah, us yeah, how to yeah, flip yeah. them over. He's like, don't scratch my records. Yeah, yeah. Do it properly. Do listen to whatever you want. Here's Bonnie Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. Um, and what else is going on for you in terms of um, cultural experiences? What are you attuned to? You know, in Hawke's Bay, growing yeah, up. Yeah, growing up. Like, what are you, you know. He really we- tried to wire. I reckon he, like, for such a difficult man, he just did the most awesome way of teaching us. Like, for him, it was. He always wanted to make sure we knew Māori songs. So we, mm-hmm. he w- we would go along this, like, um, culturally, as far as, like, going along to. Um, Kapahaka competitions it's incredible mm. and Pacifica music definitely a lot of blues a lot of folk music and a lot of classical music I studied ballet we studied classical instruments at Steiner that's really normal for any school that's normal to be mm. you know like to mm. learn basics we had a piano in the house we always had a guitar in the house the first song I ever learnt was A Horse With No Name mm. <laughs> 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 I I don't know. I just, he sang all the time. He wasn't the best singer, but he was. He, we listened to music every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we just sang every day. And I used to get r- horrifically carsick on long trips. Yeah. Because even though we lived in Hawke's Bay and we had this big, we we had a family that owned a lot of Holdens. He was like a home mechanic. So there was always carcasses. Did you get to? So we did a lot of singing in the car. I mean, you talked about. You mentioned clashing a tidy bit as as parents and children do we and clashed a lot yeah yeah did you get to the the root of his complexities yeah 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 we i totally did and it it kept 
being awakened to me the more he got sick. So he was diagnosed at 57 with motor neurons disease and he uh, uh, was at that point living in Wellington because I was a young mum and he wanted to be closer as a grandparent. But he um, was totally self-employed. He really the strongest he'd ever been, fully fit, everything, had a full bill of health mm. and then got this weird limp and started going downhill and I, I, we just had to get along. Mm. We had such a, conne- like, difficult, mm. really connected. This man knows who I am, mm. you know, like if you think about your parents, like sometimes parents kind of miss it with their kids and stuff, but we just, he knew because mm. I'm like him. Mm, mm. I'm really difficult to live with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said, like, Katie's really tolerant, Jason's yeah. really tolerant. Yeah. I'm a nightmare sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, it's dark and it's yeah. light yeah. all the time, every day. I'm not a nightmare, I'm just loud. And, you know... Oh, I'm a nightmare. I'm just sort of loud and, and I'm wonderful and, and as well, busy. I reckon. You know, I don't think I'm a nightmare. I'm a nightmare if you don't like loud. But apart from that, apart from that, I think I've gotten better. But with me and Dad, we got closer and closer and closer. The more he got sick, Mm. we had a couple of really so three years from diagnosis to the time he passed away. Mm. And in the last six months, we were completely like as one. It Mm. was peace, and it was me. I had to remember who he Mm. was. You know, it's that thing of like figuring out who. Like you always think, oh, your parents should know who you are. It's like, well, actually, do do you know who your parents are? Mm. Yeah, what's that great... Someone reminded me this week of that great Mark Twain line about at 16, I thought my dad was an idiot, and at 21, he was the wisest, you know. Yeah, I I, I have had suddenly, disagreements. He'd, suddenly he'd become wise, yeah. which of course is... I ran away from home a lot. I mm. ran away from school a lot. It's surprising that I was never... Like, yeah, I went to sign I wasn't a perfect student. I, I fought everybody in my class. Mm. I... Luckily, most of the time we were li- living, at going to school there, I was only two blocks away, so I jumped the fence and I was out of there. And then he'd walk me back or just tell me off and send me back. But I ran away a lot from him and from school, and I always went back. What? I don't know why. What, I yeah, what did. I was going to say, what do you think you were looking for? Probably understanding, I think. I don't know. I just think some people are more hypersensitive than others. I had a really hard time being okay. I still have panic attacks in big situations. I still think the stage mm. is the safest place in a big crowd. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I think other, music- I, other a- musicians I find have the same experience. I fucking, I fucking hate big crowdy music festivals. Yeah. I, I like some of them, but I, I, I can last a couple of hours but and then I'm out. I've got to get out of there. Isn't it funny that that kind of dynamic that comes up a lot with performers where mm. they talk about nerves and panic attacks and anxiety and stuff and then people say to them well how on earth do you get up on stage and act or sing or dance or whatever it is and it's, yeah, there's something about being removed from you know You're who, not- who you actually are and putting across a version that you are in control of well in, also in like if, it's, if you're a performer and it's your purpose mm. You actually have this um, obligation to the purpose. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I like, do. You, yeah, yeah. So you have an obligation to, to the to the music and to your band. And I really yeah. love my band. They're really supportive to me. And when I when we were first performing, 
I would have to always be seated because I'd be shaking so mm, hard. Mm. And then after a while, you just got to stand up mm, mm. and just let it go. But it took a while. It took a lot of encouragement. Mm. And I think it's a bad day when you're not a bit nervous before yeah, you go yeah. on stage. Yeah, or it's, yeah. I'm humbled by the yeah. audience, but I. I don't know what I don't know how that yeah. works, but it definitely if you've got a job to do, it's way easier than like just going with this massive crowd. Mm. But yeah, culturally, when I think about what he showed us, it's like a lot of soul music and a lot of Negro spirituals. That's what we called them. We learnt them all. We sung mm. them all the time. They're mm. really special to me. They're mm. probably I touched it. Like if I think about music that was like really got me going, it was probably gospel music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got this record my grandfather, um, well, I think it gave to me, I think I sort of found it after he died, but um, that's just called Negro Spirituals. Yeah. That's what it's called. And I remember, oh, it wasn't that long ago, someone sort of told me off for having, having that record in my collection. You know, it's like I didn't... Well, you want the music. It's just... Yeah. A, and I think I, I, I found PC to be really difficult because I don't ever say that word disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's Pakiha could be perceived as being disrespectful mm. as well. I don't feel that way. I feel mm. like it's a way of describing who I am. I'm from New Zealand. Mm. I'm not European. Mm. I am actually a New Zealander, um, but I'm not Maori. So mm. this is the name mm. I have, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't banter it around. Yeah, it's just it is describing a fact, I guess. So if there's a way of saying it differently, I'd love to know what that is. Mm. But. Um, so yeah. do, you, do you find an artistic outlet before music in terms of, you know, an outlet for you? You're, you're receiving music, you're interested in it, you're communicating with it and through it as a listener, as an enthusiast, but do you take to painting, drawing, photography? I'm, a photog- I'm yeah. definitely a photographer. And when does that, that happen, though? Like when, in my when, life? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. When my dad bought me a camera. Initially, I think I took off with my grandparents' little Kodak snap camera. Mm. I went for gold. Mm. They're like, oh, Bonnie, slow down, it's film, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Click, click, click. Um, And I've got all those photographs, and they're great. Me, you know, in Rotorua with the geyser in the background going off, and I'm in my little tartan skirt. (laughs) It's one of my favourite photographs. We all got one. It was great. But um, when my dad bought me an old Russian black and white Zenit camera, it changed my life. Because um, it's really instant. I, I, I was a painter, and I really tried to push it, and I really, I'm just not just not that dedicated to it as yeah. an art form. I find it really excruciatingly yeah. painful. Some people get a lot of pleasure out of it. I'm really fast, so if I paint, or if I do paintings, uh, drawings, more like, I was really into really big, heavy oil pastels and stuff and really big rich deep colours I'm just all about colours and shapes I just I'm not I'm not really there to I can photograph something real Mm. or make it up in photography land like set it up but in painting world it's always like abstract art is where I'm at I just yeah Rothko's my guy he's Mm. even he's but he's like minimalist Mm. really minimalist but large blocks of colour I just think I just look at them and I'm just falling into the colour. Mm. I don't used to get that. So, but as far as what I do now, absolutely photography. And um, 
and it came back to me, I wish I had gone and trained as a photographer after leaving school. That's what I really wish I had done. Mm. I wish I had just just gun-hoed it and gone and done it. But it's a bit difficult in New Zealand. There wasn't that many opportunities. And the advice from my mentor at the time, because in class 12 at the Steiner School you do a project, and I did mine on black and white photography, and mm. I loved it. And I met people outside of the you know my community and... Um, um, one of them is actually here in Wellington still, and he said, I actually don't recommend that you go to university. I think you would hate it, and I think that it would make you think about your art in a way that would make you drop out. And I think he's right. Mm. You know, so like, yeah, I've gotten there the hard way over years and years of not mm. getting there the long way, but I went and retrained in 2016. In the middle of the biggest tour we've ever done, mm. I continued going to photo school, and I would Skype in. I was in the muscle and done a big show the night before. Mm. It's 9.30 in the morning. I'm down there with my computer and the ladies are all cleaning up and doing the baking and the yeah. muscle in and I'm Skyping into my lessons, <laughs> taking all the notes and doing it on the road because I just was like, i got to do both. Yeah. So what do you what do you do instead when you finish school? What's the, what do you go I've done it go? already. I've finished. Yeah. So I, um... No, no, I mean school, school. Like, school, what school, you, yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you... What are you thinking of doing at I that wish, point and what do you go and do? What I actually wanted to do was go to art school. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to go to Elam or something like that. Mm. Um, and what I actually did, because my liberal father talked me out of go to university. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you don't want to be doing that, Mark. Take some time on it. <laughs> I ended up doing really, I mean, I can do any job under the sun. I know how to drive a tractor. I've picked apples. I know how to... But this is what these are the jobs you get in Hawke's Bay. Mm. A lot of people just migrated to Wellington and got hospitality jobs. Mm. $15 an hour seemed like <laughs> yeah, you were the richest man, you know, yeah. like well in Hawke's Bay I was on like three to five dollars an hour <laughs> yeah. babysitting. Yeah. I bought a one way ticket to Australia. Mm. Went through a terrible another terrible breakup as a dramatic, you know. And bought a one way ticket to Australia and I was gone for the next two and a half years. Whereabouts? I went to Sydney. Flew in, stumbled off the plane completely pissed, as you do when you're young, and um, and just proceeded to plough my way through a really great time. I loved living in Australia. I really did. I found it quite overwhelming. It's a big place. Mm. Um, and the people are different, and the land and it is different. would have been a, a, um, yeah. a lot bigger then because the world wouldn't have felt as connected. I just didn't. I kind of thought I was going to walk into a desert. I didn't know. Yeah, Sydney's yeah. lush, man. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. And all of my mates that I ended up living with around there um, were boaties and builders. So I had lived near Pitwater and learned how to drive a boat, you know, just through mm. friends. Mm. And I ended up moving up to um, near Ballingen to Do- North Dorigo because that's where my friend's mother lived mm. and got jobs in, near Ballingen and stuff looking after kids. Just as a Kiwi and as a hard worker, I just worked in cafes and looked after kids and just did that work and just experienced life. And it was kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think Australia knows how to party really hard and work really hard and you get the money so I had the most money I'd ever had so I just went for mm. gold mm. <laughs> and and then I moved back down to Sydney mm. 
And then I started working for a really well-off family, and they were really good to me, and they took me to America, and I lived in um, San Diego for a little while. And then from all that work, I just kept saving, and I went over to Europe. But I didn't really see enough of Europe. I kind of got to this place that had been almost two years, and I was really homesick for New Zealand in a big way. I mm. actually felt pretty overwhelmed. I was 20 by then. So I came back to New Zealand and I kind of regret it as soon as I got off the plane <laughs> because I had been offered like another job in Amsterdam and, and, and New Zealanders do have good track records. Yeah. If you want to pick up that kind of work and go travelling, you can yeah, yeah. get that work. Yeah. And I'd been offered an apartment and stuff and I turned it down and didn't go to Spain. You know, I've always wanted to go to Spain. I always wanted to go to Italy. Mm. Um, I loved Berlin. I went to Berlin before Berlin was as fucking cool <laughs> as it is now. Yeah. Man, I was 20, I went to Berlin, and I had the best time. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to, like, amazing, like, Cuban-styled live music bars and, and the Imperial Tea Rooms and these mm. huge, massive parks full of incredible stuff statues and some are gold and just the whole thing it was like a fairy tale mm. but at the same time I found the people language was a barrier even though I'd studied German for 12 years <laughs> I was still like really not that good most people can speak English but I, I it's right there's a lot of well there's a lot of Dutch and German sort of connections with Mm-hmm. Steiner right yeah. through, isn't there? You know, I like, was super yeah, yeah, lucky. Yeah, yeah. You know, my first it kind of like on. Yeah, big yeah. boy, big boyfriend experience in high school mm. was half Kiwi, half German. He mm, was there, mm. and it was awesome. Mm. You know, we just went travelling. My best friend since I was seven mm. met me. She was totally fluent, and she's way chilled out. I'm a, I'm a bit of a nightmare. She's mm. way chilled out. So she just watched me have a panic attack, and she goes, "Right, we're going to catch the train now. Let's go here. <laughs> I really like a beer." <laughs> just got on with it yeah you know we slept in the same bed for three months and just had a, a great time and then came home to New Zealand realised I'd kind Hastings. of to Hastings watched Which my sister graduate must have felt like a depressing little town at oh, that time after it that it was hard like I really wanted it to be easy to go back yeah. to get work and it wasn't so I yeah. came and I really realised how much I loved being outside and being in the ocean I wanted to be a sailor I really, really want a boat. Mm. And um, the only place to get funding in New Zealand to, like, a student loan or something, is if you you kind of have to join the Coast Guard. And and I just didn't want to be that person. I didn't want to be in the Coast Guard, Mm. you know. So I went and did a dive master's apprenticeship. And um, I I had a job set up in Sydney. My dad was buying me a ticket. And in between the time of graduation, and I needed to get more logged hours, but I, mm. I did pretty well. Mm. I was on the same course with like 10 Māori guys and me in mm. Hastings where there was no ocean. You know, like, Mm-mm. it was cool. We went up to Goat Island. We went out by Marama. We would go big, deep dives down in Taupo. Like, it was an interesting experience. It kind of felt surreal at the mm. same time. Mm. I was kind of depressed through heaps of that time, though, because... I felt out of place. I was trying to make it work, but mm. I felt out of place. And I came to Wellington and, um, you know, as... as well, what made you come here? Um, I actually came here for a party and to spend some time with a friend and I, and I got pregnant. 
and I had at my the party. Not at the party. <laughs> not at the party. Yeah. I can. T- this is probably the, <laughs> the the other version of the podcast people can find out another time. But you know, I had it. I had. Yeah, I, I got into a relationship immediately. And stayed, for the next seventeen years. Mm. You know, I was twenty-one years old, and I had this. And I, and I and I was thrilled to pieces. I just absolutely love this child. Mm. She's sixteen and a half now, and life is really complicated. So I don't really want to talk about it too much. Sure, sure. But she's, you know, like I became my real education happened when she was born. Yeah. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. The amount of growing, and so I have this block between that period of time until. Probably, in fact, for the next kind of six, seven, eight years, I have a really big gap in being part of what normal people my age group did in Wellington. Mm. I don't know. I've yeah. kind of found out later what was happening. <laughs> what happened, yeah. <laughs> I was in Island Bay, yeah. and I had a small baby, and I was listening to jazz every day yeah. and old music heaps and heaps and heaps and old music and lots of classical music again and I fell in love with Nina Simone and I fell in love with Ella Fitzgerald and I fell in love with like, like Dean Martin and the Rat Pack mm. like I was listening to that kind of stuff because I just had this different existence mm. for a long time and it, yeah it was weird but it was great I loved where I loved at that her. point in time were you getting that music from all from CDs. I started yeah. buying second-hand CDs yeah. big time. So at that time, my, like for me, I got a cell phone when my daughter was about three or four years old. Like mm. I, We were really poor. Mm. He was working in hospitality, and we were living in a um, little two-bedroom in Island Bay. And he being the father. The father, and, um, and he... He was really into um, New Zealand music, so I started to learn a little bit more about New Zealand music. Mm-hmm. But well, mostly you, you going mean to the like library. Flying nun type stuff. Or no, no. More like gene- like uh, crowded house stuff, right. splitting okay. stuff, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, not the other stuff. And I was, a, I'm a lot more experimental in my life probably than yeah. and he is in that way. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. He was, we're just where we're from, you know. Yeah, yeah. He was a Wellingtonian. He didn't have a car license you know mm-hmm. like didn't couldn't drive mm-hmm. a car like he was mm-hmm. that guy he skated everywhere yeah and um yeah so I don't know what happened I, I started going to the library the library for me the Wellington mm. Central Library and I think this would be it's true a for a lot of lifeline for young well any anybody parents isn't it or anyone any yeah, town, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for me now when I go travelling mm. it's still a lifeline for me to go mm. to the like the art gallery and the library, the library. Yeah, and the museum sometimes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I still feel that way. And yep. for me, yep. I actually met my drummer, who's now in my band, Justin yep. Barr, who's like this amazing drummer. Mm. He was working in Lux. He didn't, we didn't know each other, but I started recognising him. I went there from when Bella was about six months old. Mm. Funnily enough, I didn't know you could get CDs out from the Wellington Public Library until she was about three and a half, four. <laughs> I it's just thought that was a section for special people, not yeah, me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I read. But isn't it a great library too? It's an like, amazing it, library. It's, it's an amazing resource. I, I, I feel probably... really disappointed about the way that they've got it 
the the desk set up now. Mm. I feel really disappointed that they've had some of their funding co- fr- costs from personnel. You mean the self service thing? Yeah. You don't like it. It makes me really upset. I'm like, the, you want you the interaction. Would, you go to the library be, not just for books. It is a part of the community, and you talk to the librarian mm. about stuff, and they give you help. Mm. Like, instead of it being this thing of like, here's all this information. And there's the computer to get it out. They'd be like, oh, have you read such and such? That would be really helpful. Or you could try this section or breaking it down a little bit. And I didn't realise that I was so um, anxious. Yeah. So I wouldn't ask. Yeah. So I just discovered slowly the sections. Yeah. Three. Is it two or three floors? Three. Three. Yeah, I've only been to the third floor like five times in my whole life. Yeah. There's an um, elevator. You don't just have to go up the stairs. Oh, I always go. <laughs> I got the escalators because yeah, they're yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, escalators bring out the child. I just really think that the pe- the people in the every, every library. But it's just a, a, that's just so a, important. Like the kids section, hugely important. Yeah. For parents. Yeah. Having you go along to those um, they have um, Stu Pedley used to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just read books to the children, yeah, yeah, and, and he'd always bring out a ukulele stuff. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even just um, connection, for me, it's mm. a public, it's a service to people, and there's a lot of like you don't know what people are going through. I was incredibly lonely mm. when I first lived in Wellington. I had the small baby who I adored. I tried to fit in, but I didn't have any family here, and I still have absolutely no family that mm. live in Wellington. Your friends become your family, mm. and so children are an icebreaker. Or not, if yeah, you don't yeah, get yeah. on, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, public public things like that. And I was always into art, but I always felt quite overwhelmed. We didn't coming from Hastings. It is a small town, mm. you know, and everybody knows everybody, uh, mostly. And um, yeah, Wellington was still a big city to me. Mm. I love it. I think Wellington's the most special, one of the most special cities I've been to, because you can walk everywhere. Mm. I think that's huge that you are able to walk from the end of Oriental Bay all the way down, all through the cultural parts if you want, all the way to the other end of the CBD. Mm. And that's normal Mm -mm. to do that. Mm. Um, Yeah, really. Or even just, I always think, even just like in the scheme of things, quite a small walk is just walking the length of the terrace. Yes. And just thinking, you know, you, you start off at one end where there's yeah. like a school yeah. and um, some, you know, some houses, some pretty sho- crusty some, flats, some sometimes. shoddy houses yeah, and, yeah. Some, and some great yeah. houses. And then you go through all these different dips yeah. and stuff and then you end up at fucking Parliament, you know, yeah, you pretty much. And that's just, you know. And, and you can and be it, in the bush in five minutes if you and, wanted to be, actually. And it's not a very long walk no. to have done that. No. And of course, you go straight past. You know RNZ, which is yeah. you know pretty crucial still, and and Very. and long way that last, and it's it's Wellington's full of these little snapshots like that, or yeah. walking the length of Cuba Street, which yeah. again is not a long walk, not a long but walk. a lot happens walking the full length of Cuba Street. And you yeah. will always now, like I, we live in Paikakariki at the moment, and I definitely crave being in the city a minimum mm. of once a week mm-hmm. but really I probably need to be in a bit more often because but how's Pycock working out that must be pretty good too oh it's great in a whole lot of other awesome ways mm. I just wish that it was a little bit closer a little bit closer it's, it's 45 yeah. k's to Pycockariki yeah and you get there and it's heaven on yeah. earth you know like what an awesome community it's got um, all the things that are good for families and for people to, to live it a, mm. a great life it's mm. all there mm. it's absolutely there 
the land is really interesting it's because it's a small village it's it's like you you feel safe I really like that mm. like I don't for Rowan who's now four and a half and riding his bike mm. you know like and he knows the kids all up his street things like that mm. and I I guess Hastings actually wasn't that safe and it was that safe so we biked everywhere we knew the kids in our street you go to the even if they don't go to the same school as you you know each other mm. to a certain extent and it, there's a bit of normality about children being accountable for that you know yeah. in Wellington you, depending on which suburb you live in though like there's you can't do it as easily it's just busy it's city life though right you mm. see you get other experiences my daughter definitely had um she knows how to be in the city. Mm. Easy. She knows how to get around on a bus and all that kind of stuff from yeah. quite a young age. So yeah, yeah, there are other benefits. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I love where we are because you know I don't actually feel like I'm. We're so close to the city, but I don't actually feel like I'm in the city right no. now. No, that's quiet, and, and you can hear. Yeah, yeah, we get the. There's some really quirky houses around here too, but there's yeah. some great gardens. Yeah, yeah, which well, I love. We get we get um, the native birds in the trees out the back and we you know a bit of a bit of bird song and a bit of um trees rustling and wind and you know look you just kind of don't feel and yet and yet in 12 minutes you're in the middle of the, the city, city walking you know so yeah. the walking part from here from where you are mm. i've definitely lived up um aro for a while and we moved because we got flooded out twice <laughs> in the space of six months and a yeah. big storm but yeah it was super convenient. God, there's some gross um, student flats around this neck. Because I didn't really want to live in Aro as such. Like, it was not on my list of places to yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a total black mark against it. It just wasn't really what I was thinking. Because I connected it with Scotty student flats that yeah. I hung out in as a student. Yeah. But, um, you know, obviously, like, kind of everywhere it's being sort of gentrified and that's good and bad There's and all of that. There's a thing about it being gentrified yeah, or yeah. actually just some of the houses like just, being yeah. made yeah. made so that you're not going to get a lung yeah, infection yeah, exactly, in winter. Exactly, winter, you exactly. Know, like. No, but uh, you know, it depends what side of the hill you're hanging off to, you know, like, you know, yeah. in terms of your, uh, your your structure with your dampness and so forth. So we're quite lucky where we are. But um, yeah, it turned out to be, it's turned out to be great. But I was... I, yeah, I definitely miss the city and I'm and I love I love it now because so after living here for a long time and mm. yeah your friends are your family really mm. even if they're acquaintances you still have a connection mm. and it doesn't matter I've found it's definitely not genre specific <laughs> do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. friends with lots of different people over lots of different types of yeah. musical aspects and they're not all musicians they yeah. might just be appreciators and they work in yeah. certain shops or they could be soundies or they could be just artists of a different artists kind. of a different yeah, yeah. kind yeah. or or just good yeah. eggs you know they like yeah, yeah. working in so many I've met so many good people just working in local cafes and you just make a rapport mm-hmm. um, just for the people mm. and you see them as you're mm. walking along the street like I can't walk in Wellington without knocking into at least four people I know mm. and it makes my day mm. you know you don't always have time for a big catch up but at some point you will yeah, it's yeah. nice yeah 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 so um, where have we got to in your life? You've got a toddler at this point where we're at, say, <laughs> a, 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 and you're going to the library a lot, and, you're, and, you're, and lot. you're a bit miserable. Bit miserable, and also a bit happy, but a but, bit, yeah, a yeah, bit yeah. isolated, I Yeah, think, yeah, probably. that's what I mean, miserable through that, and mm. perhaps in particular. That must be why I became a real country singer, eh? Because <laughs> I was miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so, apart from... Um, 
being a parent, which is huge and huge. massive. Um, yeah. How are you? What? How are you filling your time? That is your time. That is your focus. That is my time. And I started getting part time jobs because we yeah. were sinking. Yeah. We were sinking, and we went through a. You know, like when you say these things, like you become a parent. Like I know that you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But also, when people go through breakups with family involved, it's absolutely mammoth. Mm-hmm. It's quite a life overhaul, and you can say oh, I went through this breakup. It was it was actually really devastating mm-hmm. at the time, and it was also the beginning of a renewal of getting back to like who you even are you know when you're 21 Mm. you 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 do have you have I managed to pack a lot in between 18 when I left school and before having Arabella Mm -hmm. because I went overseas Mm. and I worked in Hawks fans and I kind of figured out a few things about myself but you don't really have maybe the esteem or you haven't had the experience so I Mm. became a parent and then after um, that breakup happened, it was kind of like figuring out who you are, you know, you're like all over again. It you're was talking about breaking up with your daughter's father. Father, yeah. yeah. And it was quite um, relieving and terrifying at the same time because then that's just normal, I think, for any breakup with children because then, like, I was a solo parent when mm. I most of the time when I had her, you know, like, I, in house. Why, why am I in Wellington, yeah. you know, like all these different things, like who am I even, and so I started um, working more, and that's when I started looking into maybe going to university and stuff, we were talking about how much I love houses, like I could talk about houses a lot because I just am so in love with houses, and mm. arch- domestic architecture I find really interesting because mm. it's super functional and you're mm. so um, and do you, gorgeous. Well, do you have this... Um, does this, you know, you become a solo parent, do you, I'm trying to work out how to phrase this, you, you were raised by a solo parent, so yeah. what bearing does that have, do you think on some level, I, I, can, I, can, really do, I can do this though, no, or, no, I was or is it just like, turmoil, just, just I was, I was pretty, I was pretty yeah. devastated by yeah, it, because I didn't want to be like my parents, right, yeah, in yeah, a yeah. really big way, like yeah. I can't express yeah. to you how much I missed my mother. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Like every day it was I think there's a real underestimation of how much um so being in one parent family, like yeah you can get on with it and sometimes it's totally the right thing, but I missed my mother. So when do you reconnect with her? How does that Well we every holidays we would uh-huh. go but we had such different lives. My yeah. mum's gonna probably listen to this and probably cry. Because <laughs> mm. she loves me so much, mm. <laughs> and I love her so much. But it's like, she's um, we had a very different life to the life that she was. Le- and I'm the eldest of five right. daughters yeah, that she yeah, had. Yeah. So there's me and my sister to our father, and we lived. And then the next two sisters, and they lived a lot with their dad as well. He's a good man. He's called Rick. And then there's the last one, Amber, who's my mum raised. And so there's a lot of girls in our family, mm. but um. I felt like mine and Tara's life was quite removed. It was me, Dad, and Tara. And it's just, that's fine. It's the mm. way it was. It was amicable, you know. Mm-mm. It's just a shit situation because yeah. you, you do want to have enough. I kind of was hoping he could get it together enough to get a wife that we quite like. <laughs> and um, and did, did that... And he tried. I was going to say, did that get close to happening? Oh, my dad has this love story that is just so sad about his life. So before we were born, he was in love with this woman. 
and they were meant to be together. They were even engaged. She's American. She's the most. He looked like James Bond, and she looked like something out of an old movie. Just beautiful people adored each other. They came in and went back to New Zealand and America a couple of times. Well, she did a couple of times. He said, "Wait for me. I'm going to come over and live with you." Mm. They're totally engaged. He went and worked in Australia digging tracks for a, for a radio station. This is a total segue, but this Mm-mm. story kills me. <laughs> and um, he worked for a year because their passage was so expensive to get from New Zealand to America. Um, found snakes and all these different bushy experiences, mm. right? Wrote to her, said, I'll, I'll be um, on the plane. It's a huge... The, the cost of going a plane ride and going on... Um, on a on a, on a vessel mm. is the same price at this point. One takes three months. One yeah, takes yeah, you know yeah. a couple of days. I'll be at Seattle Airport or wherever, and can you pick me up? Mm. And he gets to the airport after this long trip and all of this time. There's no cell phones. There's no telephone call because of where he was in Australia. He just let her know in advance. He arrived, and she picked him up from the airport with her new, new fiance. And he just absolutely was gutted. Like, he, yeah, this is the love of his life. Yeah. And um, he had to sleep on the couch where they were in the room. He had no other friends there. And he left the next day and stayed with her family. But, like, my dad was absolutely fucked. God, that's half a dozen country songs right there. And he then went on to become um, an addict and went through some really big... It didn't stay an addict, but became went to Morocco, went and lived in Vancouver, wrote to his family, said, I need to get out of here, I need to come home. They were dairy farmers and Morons were like, we're going to try and get you home some, but we don't have the money right now. So they were saving, getting the money to get it to there so that he'd get a passage home kind of thing. So he went off and had this experience. He said at that point he was living off a filter, co- you know, they refill your coffee. Mm-hmm. For fr- one, you yeah, buy one coffee, yeah. right, at refill and a French stick a day yeah. for about a month. Yeah. And a whole lot of junkies kind of looked out for him. And um, but that he then had all these psychedelic experiences and stuff because he went off the rails. Mm. Big, his whole life was imploded, you know. And he told me about that, and I just think it broke him, and he never really recovered from that. Mm. And he then had to get on and be stronger than he was. And she came back when we were little, and they tried to rekindle the relationship. Wow. Wow. And she still loves him, I think. She's a beautiful woman. Her name's Donna D. She went on. It was totally the wrong decision to make that she went yeah. into that marriage. For for him, he thinks, you know? Yeah. And um, wow. to be so wronged and for it to be so intense. And my dad doesn't give his heart away lightly. Yeah. Loves women to yeah. pieces. Yeah. Loves, loves the, you know, but couldn't. Yeah, and had other relationships, but they just didn't work. Because mm. I think it gets to this point when you're a solo parent, well, definitely for him, that you're so ingrained mm. in coping that mm. you can't be flexible enough to truly give give yourself in a way that is required to sustain a, a healthy kind of companion mm. relationship. He was just... He'd cut and run. He'd cut and run. Mm. So, yeah, I... I see that, and that, you see, I knew that later. So that mm, that mm. thing where before he died, like figuring out who he really was, mm. really helped, you know. Mm. Yeah. So you're a solo parent at this point, and it's awful, as you say, it's devastating. It's not. I I mean, 
I don't was. imagine anyone really, you know... Unless you've been through it, eh? You just don't know how Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, what happened is I just um, tried to figure out who I was. I hadn't made art in a really long time, hadn't taken photographs, tried to do a few mm-hmm. of those things, made some pretty miserable poetry, I have to say. <laughs> it's like some really miserable poetry. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's the gateway to any um, yeah, artistic to, endeavor, isn't it? Yeah, really, like oh, it's a don't start, a bury start, that shit, man. A it's starting awful. point to a restarting point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really it's, awful. Yeah. Going to a lot of movies, reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of music. Mm. That's what I started doing, mm. and having new experiences because of that. I was working as a florist in this really cool place up in. Um, and then I wanted to go to design school and become an architect that didn't, you know, lasted 14 days yeah, and I was yeah. out of there. I hated <laughs> Get your it. fees back. And yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then I had a really big life-changing experience and I just was like, I'm either going to sink or swim. I'm either going to die from this heartache and from all the things that aren't working yeah, in my life. Yeah, the juggling of... The juggling of... And, and what do I want to really be into? Because I kind of missed out on some of my parties. I felt a bit short-changed about that. Mm. And that's... So I I just really made a decision pretty much to to swim. I had to start swimming mm. because no one was going to save me. My dad couldn't save me. My friends couldn't save me. I had to do it for myself. So I really started pushing myself to get out of myself. I guess it's the best way. Figure out who, who I was and where it was all at. So I just had kept working, doing um, some pretty basic jobs, and I started working for a union as an admin assistant like this is the on the list of things you never want to do with your life so I thought was to work in an office and mm. some kind of admin job and they said oh you like libraries and you like organising things you can help us with ours and I stayed there for 8 years and um, I managed to stabilise for, for such a difficult personality to stabilise I managed to stabilise in that job really well and thank God for that, you know, it stabilised me enough. And then I went, got into a relationship with a guy who really was the chrysalis to finding music because he was a songwriter. Right. And we were like peas in a pod. And it was a pretty significant relationship because when you're a solo parent with a young child and you start dating, it's quite tricky. Mm, I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't find it very easy. I'm not, I don't. I'm not, and I stopped being kind of like a party animal. I was just more like trying to get real. So we met and we just hit it off straight away. It was like we were just in each other's pockets. Mm. And he taught me a lot about music. And it was just like, oh, you should listen to Jolie Holland. Oh, you should listen to Jolie Marsh. You've got a beautiful voice. Oh, you could, you should do this. And we just started, and naturally to harmonise with him was just like second nature because of my schooling. So this thing that I hadn't done for Mm. many, many years just started naturally happening because on some level it's all there like it's all been sitting there and you're feeding it yeah in terms of yeah i kind of felt like i was yeah i if you're in relationships with people that don't really know you or have the same values you can get become quite broken around some of that stuff mm-hmm. like being told you can't sing and you know, like, you can think mm. you're so special, you went to the sign school. Like, I've had those conversations, and <laughs> yeah. I just, I never want to repeat that shit in my yeah, life. Yeah, I just yeah. don't, I don't have time mm. for that anymore. I just think, life is already too hard, let's try and make it good, you know? Mm. Not in some kind of heavy, clappy yeah, yeah. way, but more just, God, this is, you know, like, I feel it pretty intensely, so I've just got to stick with people that I think get, have a realness about it, and, and share 
that road with me yeah. and that still happens in music today yeah i feel yeah. a really deep kinship to some people because they we don't do it for the money simon um no, no. <laughs> no. i don't do it for the kudos i <laughs> yeah. do it because yeah. it kind of i came in at the wrong time it almost felt but i started writing um after he broke up with me right mm. big time yeah and then i just didn't stop yeah. It just went, it was just like it blew. And I never, ever, ever thought I'd be a songwriter. I thought it was this really weird, mysterious thing that was only available to some people. Mm. And I kind of, um, maybe, I think it was a combination of events, like a life-changing show for me. There was, there was a few life-changing shows. I hadn't gone to shows. I went and saw Jim White. Mm. Changed my life totally changed my life, went to a show and he told these stories and he had a really calm delivery, really intelligent guy. It's one of the, I, I remember not going to that show, it's one it's of the incredible. handful of shows that I am annoyed I didn't make it to. Uh, the room was full. I feel like it was a double booking thing for me, it I was. think I had to be at something else. Okay, because no, oh, so I was going to say on the I night, I was going to go. Because it was Jim White and then the other band were the Sadies. Yeah, yeah. And Sadies? Was, Sadies. Yeah, yeah, and there was something else on at another venue that I think I had to go and review. So See, I didn't really know that much about music. I just went along to this one thing and mm. it was incredible to mm. me. Mm. And kind of felt like he said all the things that I couldn't say and had insights about life. Not that I wanted to be him, but it was changed. Mm. I felt so impressioned by that. Then that, That's the gift of a live performance mm. for me. That, you know, like you don't... I don't know if I can get that in a CD. I've got this image of, I was thinking how of, of how kind of beautiful but trite that um, uh, Killing Me Softly song is. But and I'm, So I've sort of got this image of that with you at this concert though, like like the good aspect of that, that, you know, you go, like, I, I sort of feel like that lyric is overbaked and, and, you know, quite ridiculous, but there is something profound that that song captures. Absolutely. And it's like you're describing a version of that. Totally. You know. He does the song about, and he introduces them often with a story, mm. and he just says it like it is. Mm. He's got quite a beautiful southern humour to him, but it's he's, the story that really, really struck out to me was one about Christmas Day and he had a kiss with a prostitute mm. like what a combination of events mm, you know mm. and he said but the thing about it was it was the most tender thing and that just on this day they both needed each other mm. he's never seen it since and it's not a thing but for that moment he described something that was the most important and I feel like I've had those experiences in my life mm. and I don't want to dumb down how significant they can be like it could be having a conversation with your neighbour mm. that mm. turns out to just be so insightful like some mm. old guy that you don't think you'll have mm. anything in common with and yet they totally get you that those types of things you know anything like that I was quite struck by him another one was going to see um uh, during that time of the break I went to Pokokoriki to house at my friend's mother's house to get out of town for a couple mm, of weeks mm. and I saved up I had $15 left and I saved up my 15 bucks and I went to the Paikokariki bowling club and I went and watched the Eastern who at that point was Jesse Shanks, Adam McGrath and Hannah Harding mm. was the backing singer, it was just the three of them played the most killer show mm. it was amazing mm. that was life changing to see oh this, these are Kiwis that are making up their own music and doing this thing and it, 
yeah, totally. Um, I don't know if it killed me. It was like invigorated me to. Mm. I loved it. Loved everything about it. Mm. And probably just being with yeah my ex boyfriend, just being around um, him, watching him. He wrote every day. Every yeah. day he wrote a song. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say it must be an interesting thing for you thinking about that relationship. Like he's a guy who kind of opened the door in a way to what you're doing now. Yeah. But the relationship doesn't last. So. We had another go. Right. Believe it or not. Right. I held a flame pretty pretty intensely for that guy. Yeah. And um, we had another go and it didn't work out at all. But thankfully it didn't work out at all. Right. But it was a really good experience actually. Um, but I, I yeah, he, he, he opened a door to something that he wanted for himself so much. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel for him because... Um, he he knows way more, but he was like a walk. I don't know, an octogenarian is that what you just top? I don't know if that's the right word. He, I just ask him stuff, mm. and he just tell me all this stuff. I'm really dyslexic. I didn't know that. I stopped reading. Like I do, I was a big reader of biographies and stuff, but I got busy as a parent. Mm. So having conversations are pretty powerful to opening up stuff about life and getting mm. interested again and he was kind of like that for me because he was a prolific reader so he kind of explained to me the reasons why Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen and Nick Cave are this is, it, is that the holy trio is that what they call them I don't know yeah, it's a pretty good start you know sure and Hank Williams yeah. and why he was yeah. so significant and Gillian yeah. um, Welsh's um, so Soul Journey was the first album I ever listened to of hers and it absolutely realised that I could be I was a different vocal range than I had experienced the kind of blue cover bluey greens yeah that's the first one of hers I listened to all all the way through I I knew her some of the earlier stuff I'm not that keen on anymore but I like that and for me that's a great album Revelator's my favourite album though I think still to this day I don't know if she's made a bad record but I know know what you mean about some of the early stuff she hasn't made a bad record I I remember hearing bits and pieces but Soul Journey is the one that kind of made me click with her stuff yeah yeah, I think that's probably the the most um, easiest start to understanding yeah, their yeah, work. Yeah, accessible. Yeah, and the simplicity mm. that comes across, but the connection with the listener and with them as singers it was pretty amazing. Like it's not, it's not. I almost didn't hard quite, to understand I, it. it could I almost, almost didn't. Deters, yeah. I almost didn't believe the first couple of records, though. You know, they they, <laughs> yeah. they were really good, but they sort of felt was, a little bit hokey to me. Like this is a concoction, and I don't quite believe it. I totally and agree. Then, yep. And then Soul Journey felt contemporary enough and real, therefore real. Yeah. And then I could go back to what happened before that and say, you know, this is actually a pretty complete artist. This is someone who knows exactly what she's doing and. It's pretty great. Yeah, I love it, the quirkiness of Revelator. Because they don't believe in the three minute song, they Mm. just believe in the song. Mm. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go where the song is going to take you. You, you have this period of songwriting, I've heard you talk about this before, where you, you basically. I guess the wound opens, you know, like it's all there. Yeah, the backlog and, just and the opened. Back, so, eh? Yeah, yeah, so it all comes out, and so you write 
every day. A song a day, or, or every write day. a day. Yeah. Every, every day. Write something every day. I had to. I've got. I've got all the notebooks. Um, because I don't write like that anymore. Right. <laughs> kind of wish I did. Yeah, yeah. I th- what I have started doing is I write for half an hour a day now, which sounds tiny, yeah. but I don't always have to write, I just have to sing. But at that point, um, I, I mean, it could have been any art form. Mm-hmm. It could have been, if you were a painter or something, that makes total sense to me, yeah. that it would be whatever the thing is. Yeah. But it started to just all click into place, and I don't know what it is. But when I realised that most country songs are three or four chords, I was sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> because melody mm. is in a chord, right? So yeah. melody, I can sing however. And I started to find my voice, yeah. and it started to come out. And I was by myself a lot because um, it was just me at home or me in Dallas. I do all the mummy stuff I do all the day stuff and then at night I would just write, I was writing till 2 o'clock in the morning every night mm. and sure I definitely got tired but it gave me like a really renewed well, right? energy, yeah, like yeah. a massive yeah. boost and if anybody ever gets to experience it, that it's, it's a gift, it's an absolute gift I think it's the right um channeling of a particular kind of manic energy too you know it's like it was a good way to spend the time yeah yeah because i could have pissed it against the wall to be honest like that's the terrible thing to say but i could have gone with my personality yeah i could have like i'm prone to maudlin that's been on the cards on and off for years yeah i this is all really normal stuff i've just figured out most Mm. people have well not most people a lot of people more than you Think or whatever More than you yeah, think, yeah, yeah. but I've definitely been like when we talk about like if I think about previously we we're talking about Hawke's Bay when I came back from Europe and I was a bit lost. I went through a period of time there of deep depression, mm. like and it lasted. It, it was unsustainable depression. Like you can't stay there. Mm. It's really dangerous stuff. In a town where there's not much to do, it's easy to get up to no good. It's mm. really easy, and mm. I'm like a classic kind of all-or-nothing person, so mm. I become just, um, I, I'm a really good escape artist, I can mm. do it in my brain, I've done it as a child for years, so mm. at this period of time when 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 the writing was going off, it was like, this is okay, like if this is what's happening every day till 2 o'clock in the morning and I have to go to work tomorrow, this is fine. Yeah, you find a way to Absolutely fine. make those things fit, because the it's useful. And not all of it was great. Mm. I was going to say, did you massage some of that bad poetry into mediocre or good enough <laughs> songs, or, or had you burnt I that? I kind of and... think all of my songs are poetry, because I don't know yeah. how else to put it, because yeah. I don't feel like I... What it does for me is that when it feels right, I know when a song is... Um, it has made a whole lot of feelings about different things. Mm. Most songs aren't about one thing. Mm. They're based on like three, maybe three different things coming together. Mm. You don't know it till you've written it, mm. but that's what's actually going. And you get this really deep, contented feeling of mm. understanding about something. You didn't know that you needed it. So it's a pretty great feeling to write a song. Mm. If you're writing in a way, that's what it does for me. Mm. I don't write the lyrics First, I write them at the same time. I sit down at the kitchen table. It hasn't changed. I've just mm. kept the same thing. Mm. I sit down at the kitchen table with a piece of paper and a pen. I just have to have that there. And I kind of have this shorthand way of remembering mm. how it goes. And, um, hey, Bowie. 
dog nipping in a, in a good way and um, that hasn't changed I've, I've decided to just I can't do it with technology mm. technology kills me it kills the magic for me I yeah, just can't yeah, yeah. oh you should type that and fuck off don't, yeah. I'm not typing about anything you know like yeah. if I if I do record into my so what I used to do was ring up my landline and leave an answer phone message yeah and because it's kind of analogue <laughs> yeah yeah it felt it kind of felt a bit normal yeah now that's country enough <laughs> yeah 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 if you do it because I'd forget otherwise but if mm. you do it on your cell phone now and you've got the screen blaring at you it's mm. just so off-putting mm. or even so I've tried to like turn it the other direction mm. stuff I'm getting better at now at just turning it on and putting it over there mm. and I say third capo CGF dude <laughs> and I just remember how it goes just to, as a pointer but I just started writing I still write that way and it's definitely slowed down and thank god it did yeah I quite like it to speed up some days but yeah yeah well, a good friend said it's now I'm in a position where like it stayed that way for for quite a long time, but now it, it's the difference between inspiration and craft. So you can get this inspired thing and it's happening, right? You don't really have control of it, mm. but you get to a point in your career as a as a as a um, as a writer, I think where you have to plug into this thing that you definitely have, but you have to work it. Mm. To get the benefits back, and I'm in that place now. Mm. I have to get up every day with a piece of paper and a pen and go to the kitchen table for half an hour max. I don't push it. If it comes naturally longer than that, cool, but I'm not going to sit down for three hours and try to work something out. Mm. And just, but the act of um, playing for yourself is really good. Nobody's allowed to be home. I yeah. can't write yeah. in front of anybody. I can't yeah. write in front of Jason. Yeah. I can't write in front of a child or anything yeah. like nobody's allowed to be home yeah well it's you know everyone's got a different approach that 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 sounds kind of understandable like i said I've, this to a woman recently and she goes oh i've always co-written i've never written anything on my own mm. i've always just gone to band practice and we worked it out together and i thought personalities eh? like mm, mm. i can't imagine anything worse so how do you take the steps from, I guess, putting these songs from the page onto the stage. Do you go out as a singer-songwriter first? And, or you... Oh, uh, oh, oh, What are you oh, doing, Bowie? Sit down, honey. Don't <laughs> get a fright from me. It's all right. Um, I, what I usually do is I get comfortable with the song enough that it's formed enough. Yeah. And when it's not formed enough and I've shown the band, I've, I get a funny feeling. But, I mean, how did the band... Like, how did you first go to performance with these songs? Like... Oh, very yeah. first, the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, I went like, to an open mic night yeah, yeah. on a so Tuesday night at the Ruby Lounge. Yeah yeah, 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 totally by myself. Yeah, yeah. What's I didn't have a band. What's that experience like? Terrifying. Yeah, Absolutely. like just terrifying enough to like you stay at it. I want to swear a lot as to how terrifying it <laughs> was. It. it was horrific. Yeah. I was fucking absolutely shaking. Yeah, my like shaking like a tree. I was yeah. like. I'm either going to die or I'm going to live through it. Because actually public speaking is quite... I'm much, much, much better at it now. Mm. Must be just learning how to not give a fuck the older you get. I think so. Um, but also can... having been able to describe things better in a comfortable way. Like, I try to now to speak in a way that is a representation of what I actually am thinking, yeah. which is different. I was going to say the key for me was... Because I was a shocking, um, least scared, nervous public speaker. And yeah. almost anyone I say that to doesn't believe me because I've ended up 
talking a lot, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And which I, I always did, but I was I couldn't do it on a stage. No, nah, I couldn't do it. And on a stage I think either. the thing that that cured me of it was, uh, you know, everyone's got those different, you know, imagine everyone naked, rah rah rah, all that sort of shit. I think the thing for me that worked was um, just just trying to simply have some belief in in what I was saying when yeah. I finally stood the up message. and when I finally yeah. actually could believe what I was saying. Yes. So, you know, school, I used to freak out at school yeah. speeches and stuff. That's because I put no time into actually writing them. And so then when I stand up to do a speech in front of the class and I was fucking awful at it, yeah. it, it deserved to be that way because I hadn't really put any... And so one, one year I really sat down and worked really hard on something. Yeah. And I... And, and fuck, it was, it was pretty... Um, if I ever... Just as well there's with no camera phones then, because if I ever heard it back now or whatever, it would be utterly embarrassing. Because it was basically like almost like a stand-up comedy routine as a speech. You know, it was oh, full wow. of jokes. It was full of jokes, but I I kind of nailed it. Yeah. In, in in my own thinking, you know, and I was away after that. It was yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that cured me. I that watched one experience. my I watched my father suffer from. He said he had a um, a stutter when he was in high right, school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he could stutter when he was angry. Actually, mm. he'd start to trip up because he felt faster than he yeah. could say it. Yeah, yeah. So I watched him, and he used to go to Toastmasters to try and get more confidence. Mm. And um, I'm thinking, I didn't think less of him for it or anything like that. But I did think, I did have an experience of doing like a three minute speech in class in a group of people I was mm. every day in class with, mm. right? And like my, my my whole face went red. Yeah. I was sweating all of a sudden. I was shaking. I couldn't get the words out, and I got really look, yeah. like looking at the floor and stuff. And then what happened was, um, so it's taken me years to yeah. figure this out. I yeah. wanted a hole to open up and for me to fall in. That's yeah. the way I felt about public speaking. Yeah. And I think. Again, that's pretty common, but yeah. Isn't I think it, it is really common. It's just so awful. I remember just. It's not like that though now, like yeah. not at all. And yeah. I think going to the Ruby Lounge really helped. So yeah. Laura Collins was there and she was like, you just need to come, Eb, and yeah. bring your songs. doesn't matter how sad they are. We all like sad songs. Yeah, yeah. Bob will play with you. So Bob Cooper Grundy played yeah. guitar and I, and he, that wasn't to one of my songs. That was just to a cover. But yeah. I got to just sing, which was yeah. a really good thing to do and I started going there every week and so I started to make a relationship with, with this the, folky community yeah, yeah, the audience. some are more folkier than others there's yeah. a crossover of blues artists and yeah. stuff and young and old I mean I went, I met French for Rabbits because they just moved from Christchurch after the quakes and mm. they were at an open mic night I met heaps of the old folkies mm. that I shouldn't say old folkies I don't mean that but they're from the older generation of folk that isn't contemporary yeah and they are awesome. Yeah. They, they talk, not I don't get along with everybody in the same way, but there's a group of people who are mm. incredibly supportive. There's no industry in sight. Mm -hmm. It's it's about the song. Yeah. And um, they're listening to the words. And I have to. I fit somewhere in that. And also, I was a bit of a challenge just as I started playing more because. I didn't need you to listen to the words. I needed you to hear the sound. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still get criticised for not ex um, singing clearly enough so that you can understand the words. Yeah, I'll and I And I remember someone, oh, it was Esther, who plays with Barry, mm -hmm. and she was like, yeah, I don't need to know the words. I just can feel what you're trying to say. 
And plus, it's an interpretation of those words anyway for every person that listens to them. So don't worry about that. Just sing. Mm. So I just stopped caring. You know, well, I I do care because I actually there's a difference between when you write. That's some for me. I write for this thing that's inside me that's mm. coming out. And when you perform, you actually for me. I've I've worked out that I owe it to myself, but really I owe it to the audience who showed up to deliver. Mm. A performance. They're mm. different things. Mm. And um, they're both really rewarding, but working that out. But I don't have to deliver something that's not um, authentic to myself. Mm-hmm. So I've written a couple of songs in the past, and there's a couple of lines in there that I think are a little bit forced. They weren't, I didn't really need yeah. Yeah. I def- And every time I sing them, I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap, not yeah. this one. You know, like it works, maybe. Some of them... They just, no. you know, I have this total indie heritage. I listen to a lot of, like when we were in high school, you know, we missed this whole part of like how much the Pixies and the Breeders and Mm. Nirvana and all of these bands had a massive, and Britpop had a Mm. massive impact on my life. I just feel like they had a massive impact on anyone around our age. I just kind of take that as, you know, I think. If you listen to 93FM, you would, they would not have an impact on I you. The other day I, you had to be into Yeah, 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 yeah. But the other day I posted a, a Nirvana clip and someone actually wrote to me and was like, I never picked you for someone who would like Nirvana. And I was yeah. like, are you fucking kidding? Like, yeah. I just feel like, who didn't, you know, around then? And, who and, didn't? And, and yeah. why would you even, like, and if you're of a certain age when that came in... It, it was almost impervious to criticism. Like, why would you bother saying, oh, I, you know, he couldn't really play very well or any of that sort of shit. It was just part of your life for a while. And, and, you, I, and it never goes away, you know. Like, you might not listen to it actively for years, but it never goes away. T- those, what's that acoustic session called? The um, the unplugged one. The yeah. unplugged. God, yeah, that was end. such a brilliant thing that yeah. they did. Yeah. Because it's approachable yeah. to anyone. Yeah. Um, you yeah. don't have to listen to Nirvana at yeah, full you throttle then. You don't have to go out to get any of their other albums. No. Nah. It gives you everything. But if you had all their other albums, this gave you like a nice snapshot and a different flavour. And, and I really and I thought they really songs. worked the covers really well in that. Mm-hmm, they you know, did. Like, it's actually full of covers. What you was know? that, There's, Mud Honey? Because, oh, this is nah, a cover, it's, isn't it? um, Whatever that is. It's that band. Fuck, what are they called? Um, the Meat Puppets. The Meat Puppets. Yeah, there's about three songs by then. Wow. Yeah, yeah, in the middle. There's, he mentions it once, but there's about three in a row because he brings them out to play. Isn't that a cool thing to do? Yeah, yeah. I... And obviously there's the um, David Bowie, you know, yeah. cover and, and the old Lead Belly, um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night and stuff. Like, there's quite a few covers he, in that, yeah. You see, because he did that, so that's a really good way of, I guess, mentioning, like, if you... Like, I have this deep love for black music because that's what I call it. Mm. My dad used to listen to an awful lot of kind of soul music, really, because he was like, if you're going to... They can take everything... You know, he was really hated... He he was kind of almost wanted to be an anarchist but couldn't mm. quite mm. couldn't quite bring himself there. Yeah. It's definitely... Um, I don't even know what the words are. I don't want to pin it into anything, but he's like, they can take everything in your life, but they can't take your soul, and that is what soul music's about, and they tried to take fucking everything from these people, Mm. and they couldn't, and that is the most powerful thing you need to know, that if you ever get stuck, listen to that record or listen to this Mm. person. And um, that's what a gift to give to your child, Mm. you know? Like, 
it's like it's like a religion of the most beautiful kind. Mm. You know, there's no church, there's just music. Yeah. And I have I feel that way. I find it really hard. Yeah. People try to who are you? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I actually I don't really know. I think we I love all these different things. And so we're quite eclectic, you mm. know, like when it comes to describing a record, I've got a particular way of singing that I and I'm trying to change that a little bit to figure out your voice because my mm. voice has changed in the last five years mm. it's quite a deep deep voice I have a deep affinity to jazz I'd quite love to make a jazz record mm. just quietly mm. but I um, can see you doing that yeah yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd quite like that yeah and yet I absolutely love the harmony singing but I yeah I don't know it's weird more Probably more people who want to make a jazz record that have never made one before should, and more people that have made heaps of jazz records should stop. You know, like there's some. <laughs> there's some really awful jazz records. So. Yeah. So I, yeah, for me, jazz is really important. So what happened also, like if you think I, did, I totally missed this, but what happened in that time after when my child was a little first becoming a, learn, you know, kind mm. of refining myself, my neighbours took me to the Lido every Sunday. Oh yeah, for the. To the Bob Tett. Yeah. And at that time it was Johnny Lippiot. Yeah. And Roger Sellers on drums. Yeah, Paul Dine. Paul Dine on and bass. a few random guests some weeks. <coughs> uh, yeah. Vaughan yeah. Roberts on trumpet yeah. sometimes. And, oh, that lovely woman. I don't know her name. She plays keys. And... What a great institution that was. I went there for four and a half, five years, every yeah, night on a wow. on a Sunday night. I used to go there a little bit. I didn't know, and I learned everything. Mm. I started to understand this chaotic, mm. beautiful improvisational jazz, so my relationship with Charlie Parker is pretty good. Mm. <laughs> you know, like learning about how that fits. And so now I listen to a lot of jazz with no words. Mm. And it's the same as classical. I don't mm. want to hear words mm. anymore. I just need to hear something. Mind expanding, mm. kind of. That's the way I think about it anyway. And I think, oh, man, there's a jazz school in Wellington. There's a lot of guys that can play jazz around here. I should talk to them. <laughs> I'm a traitor to my genre, right? Totally <laughs> and utterly. And at the same time, I'm like, man, maybe they should be like, do an electronica thing. That would be fine. I'd love to learn how to use those knobs. I've just listened to Steph Animals. Oh, yeah, that, that record. Um, um, Top Gear. Top Gear. What do you reckon? I, I just, love it. I love it. Yeah. I haven't listened to it entirely because yeah, I yeah. haven't had time. Yeah. But that thing of like... I, was, I absolutely love it. So that our album. drummer in, is, in, is in a band with her called The Golden Awesome, but right, she's yeah, down yeah, in Dunedin yeah. now, yeah, so yeah. she's been doing this stuff. Yeah. And I really relate to that thing of she just was like, if I don't, give myself some boundaries around how to create yeah, that music, real, I won't I, get it done, I you know? I say that was a real songwriting project album, right? Like yeah. a real discipline. And the name of the yeah. the songs also have the, the type of um, yeah, equipment, equipment that used. she's used. Yeah, yeah. But it's, and she's got a real, a quiet, steady humour mm. to her. So yeah, calling yeah. it Top Gear in, yeah, in itself yeah. is pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... No, I really, I really connected yeah. with that um, straight away. You know, I didn't... Yeah. Um, it was one of the good old-fashioned sort of arrive in the letterbox CDs, which doesn't happen much these days. Good. Um, and it's always, well, not always, but it's usually quite fun when it does. Yeah. When, when you sort of know, when someone's taking the time to send you a 
a CD and they haven't pestered you about it or you haven't inquired about it it's just turned up that's pretty there's, cool there's some and, and you just it sort of arrives with a kind mm. of hopefully it arrives with a kind of confidence around it or something and it certainly did in that case I just really she, like, I really really yeah, dug that album well what I like about it is it's kind of like the same so it's a totally different genre right? mm, but it's the mm, same mm, thing it's mind expanding for mm, me because mm. it's like here's these different synthesizers making mm. these incredibly lush sounds mm, mm. in fact and yeah. I hadn't yeah a very really human album made out of um, exactly you know exactly and non-human elements yeah and I like. remember having this conversation with Brett Stanton who has been the producer like he's a live sound engineer he's mm. renowned for that he's also worked on a lot of records behind the scenes for bands like he gave me the list on his bio mm. and I was like shit man you've done everything mm. he's does sound for everybody mm. big international and national you know mm. and god he's a humble guy and he knows a lot about music but I remember saying on our last the record in 2015 I was like oh, I'm not really into synthesizers or something. and he's like I don't know what you're talking about you know, <laughs> this is, it was like the most horrific thing I could have yeah, said you know yeah. he's worked with the Phoenix Foundation of course they have he goes we're going to be putting some on the album <laughs> and he says I need you to know Eb, I've done a lot of left handed keyboards on a lot of very <laughs> famous albums and that will be happening again this kind of time you know and I was like okay I'll keep an open mind about that what a judgmental pricky way to think you know that only <laughs> real acoustic yeah. instruments are the thing and the whole yeah it's been really not like on this on our latest record like this one yeah, it's called that's, Seeing that's, Things that's coming out at the what end of March middle, middle 23rd of yeah, March yeah it comes so out just a couple of weeks away there's no acoustic guitars on it you might not know that it's all I electric I haven't quite noticed that yet yeah I, probably you know, not I, I, well I haven't made it the whole way through not the album yet, yet not that that's a thing but we no, no, realised no, no. yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. I was like oh because what ended up happening yeah. was I absolutely fell in I've really fallen in love with um Amps, pedals, yeah. and Wins yeah. Telecaster. <laughs> and I'm not a. And it's been good for me because when you stuck behind an acoustic guitar all the time, it, it dictates the sound in a certain way. And we still are dictated to a mm. certain extent mm. by the way. So we totally got off topic, okay? But like that thing about, you said, how does it go from being written into going to the stage? Mm. And so in the band, what will happen is I'll form the song quite. Mm. I have to be comfortable with it. And I, yeah. The melody in the song is the I've written all that. And then I take that to the band. And our band had a change, you know, we've had a change of drummer, but mm. there's no. Unless we have scheduling conflicts, the band. There's no. It's not a. It's not a pickup band. We're a band that make the music mm. together, and the mm. whole point was um, we're quite a different little kettle of fish as to who we all are and what we well, listen to. It's quite is, wide ranging. This actually. is this is probably the piece of the puzzle that I want to go back and fill in is how the band actually forms because because where we've sort of got to in and around all this stuff is is you finally getting up on stage and singing some songs so you get hooked into this community yeah. and then when do, when does it sort of crystallise for you I need to have a band around me or when does that step happen and how do you source the band totally and how does it become Evan Sparrow totally accidentally yeah because <laughs> I, I, I like, think it's the perfect way for it to have, to have happened actually right. I didn't go out there going I want a band I went out there and I um, a friend a mutual friend of mine and Bryn so me and Bryn Havelt who plays Lapstill mm. in the band mm. primarily now mm. 
um, didn't know each other. We had met once at a party, but in, mm. in passing. Mm. And all I knew about him was he was completely mad on sailing, mm. and he was quite small and really fun. He's yeah. lovely to talk to, yeah. but I didn't really know him. And yeah. um, my friend Lizzie said, you should give Bryn a call. He owns like six guitars, and he records, he loves projects. Mm. And and I've told him about you, and he's really keen, so just give him a call. It took me weeks to call to him. I just was like, finally, I had this golden... Because yeah. I didn't have any money. My problem at this point was I was writing so much, I wanted to archive the music. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't want to make a record. I didn't mm. even under, really understand how yeah. that worked. Yeah. I just wanted to record it down so that I could have a copy yeah. of what I was Reference doing. for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Like a library yeah. for myself, because yeah, yeah. that's how I knew how it worked. Yeah, yeah. And um, because they, cause there were so many songs, and of course I've lost most of those mm. songs probably now. So, um, and the, the real moment came when I finally had the courage to call him. Mm. And that's kind of how Evan Sparrow started. Cause and we talked for about two hours, yeah. you know, on the phone about music. Because I thought... Evan Sparrow opened for Rodriguez and you were saying that that's yeah. probably that's one of the earliest we had been you'd together for about you'd a obviously year done, yeah, you'd obviously built up to that moment but that was obviously the first big profile thing. Another mis- another accidental moment that happened in my career you know <laughs> <laughs> but that's when you're back, but what I was going to take out of that was it's kind of like how you described um, first seeing the Eastern, you were just yeah. a trio and this is when you were sitting down and all of this sort of stuff, right? It was quite a small... Well, you know? it was an interesting one because at that point there were five of us in the band. Right. Um, and it, on that night all five of us were there in different capacities. So our drummer um, was like our tour guide. They only <laughs> wanted a trio. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Rodriguez because they didn't want the big setup of a band. Mm. So we had to choose the three. Mm. And we had just become a band of five people. So Chris Winter uh, right. happened to be working <laughs> on the monitors that night. Yeah, so yeah. he was sort of well, I don't know if he was on the monitors but he was definitely in the setup. So he was part oh, of it funny. working for Oceania yeah. or something yeah, like right, that. Right. Um, and our drummer Nick Brown at the time was out the back, and he was like, how, any logistics. He was like our sound, te- our yeah, guitar yeah. techie guy. And on the stage is little Bryn sitting down with his little lap steel, and little Jason with his little bass amp <laughs> mic'd up into these massive fuck off speakers. And then there was little Ebony going. <gasps> but I feel like you guys were really well received at that. We were really well you know, received. That was a really big. I, I sort of feel like it was huge. That must have been a really key moment for what's gone on after it was pretty addictive that moment yeah I bet because you had the most beautiful sound yeah and I panicked so when I felt we had a lot of help from Mark Rogers getting that gig mm-hmm. um, and uh, we got we got another 50 CDs printed just in case anyone right. wanted to buy them that yeah. kind of thing you know like we'd made an EP did you sell together yeah, yeah yeah and we sold heaps yeah. actually good, good. We've done really well for like an industry that apparently is dying. Mm. I mean, we haven't sold thousands, but we've, sold, but we've done all right. through your run each time. For our little, yeah. Yeah. at the time we got them done at Amstel, we did all yeah. the artwork ourselves. Yeah. Almost hand printed everything, yeah. you know, at that point. But uh, we got up there on that stage and we did six songs that are original songs ourselves. We did a lot of practice. I was lucky Jason was playing bass. And 
has a beautiful harmony to me. He's got a very different voice. I'm quite deep. So there was that. And Bryn was on stage and he was playing that still. And so we had this full sound. Mm. And um, it was an absolutely life-changing mm. moment. And I did feel ready. Uh, what happened was I had a panic attack and I called a friend and I said, holy shit, what am I supposed to do? We've got the Rodriguez gig. I I have never played over to like... And the night before we'd played... Two nights before we'd played with a local band, Claude Rains, at Bodega to like maybe 30 people. And then we played to 4,000 people in the TSP Bank <laughs> Arena. It was a pretty big change. Yeah. But um, it was the same thing. You yeah. honour both audiences, right? Yeah. So... I remember calling a friend and saying, I don't know what to do. And he said, that's how I met Brett Stanton, who's right. then recorded both of our other records. Because yeah. I was like, what am I supposed to do? He goes, well, first thing, you need to stop panicking. And then you need to start breathing. And then you need to go and buy a mute pedal. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's this, what I did. <laughs> and you had this other bonus at that gig too, was that then Rodriguez came on and he was actually quite shit. So, you know. I, 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 oh. I loved that gig purely for of the course, fact that we played and we did. were sort of stage yeah, yeah, and it was exciting. I don't want to comment no, on, on his I'm performance, just, but he was yeah. a very lovely person to meet Oh, I'm sure. I had a really nice phone interview with him, you know, like. Um, but the gig itself, the a few gig people was really, yeah. really. I found it weird that he had a pickup band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that was really odd. Yeah, great no pickup band. Yeah, exactly. No, just all great players. Yeah, and is it you know really like great. I met Chris O'Connor mm. because of that, and I've seen him this weekend with Nadia. He's mm. playing Nadia's band now, but like, what an interesting meeting of all these people. But I didn't realise that the whole, what felt like, all of the peers of the music community in Wellington were at that show. Mm. Oh, yeah, it was a really interesting um, audience, a really interesting sort of buzz around that game. Because obviously, you know, um, there's there was the old audience that yes, grew that, up on his record, because he was quite big. Who there, my mother this, did. My exactly. mother was like, so, I love him. And then there was this whole new wave of yeah. people that had discovered him through the documentary. Through the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it was quite a fascinating um, audience to be part of. I... I and I guess with the local pickup band, there were loads of industry comps. You know? I knew like, it I think was. That's why I think it was of... really, really. I mm. think it was a really important gig, and I knew that it was mm. a significant gig. Mm. But I had to do. I, I had the day off work. I remember that. That was good, because I needed to get quite calm. Because the recommendation, I called at least three or four people. I was mm. like, "What am I fucking supposed to do? I don't think I'm going to be good enough." Mm. Or and they go, "Yes, you are." And all you have to do is be yourself. Like as yeah. a recommendation from for anyone doing a gig that of any kind, be yourself. Yeah, yeah. If you try and be yeah. something other than that, you'll 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 lose it. Be yourself and be believe yourself. and believe in what you're doing. Yeah. So I just sung the songs the best I possibly could, and that totally worked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Was it so? Fun? So that's what? What year was that? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Maybe two thousand thirteen. Because he came back. He did two shows. Yeah, I didn't do he, the last. I didn't he, do the yeah, last yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, he did one like about a year. Um, after all, I think ten Holly months after. Aerosmith opened for him. I when can't he remember. Came back I did go time. to that. It was. It was. Um, also, also not great, but you know, again, it also had this kind of reverence around it, where there were some people there that just thought it was amazing. Even yeah, was, you know, just. I think if you were fine. there as a mega fan, mm. you would just love it. Does that make sense? But if you're kind there of. as a discerning music mm. fan for the music side, and you feel let down by, I guess, yeah, I found it really odd 
that he had a pickup band. Mm, same. And he was touring at a world level. I found mm, that really odd. Same. Um, especially yeah. because he is almost blind. Yeah. You can do a pickup band in a small, like um, Wanda Jackson came to Wellington yeah. and, you know, um, well in her 70s and played at the bathhouse with a with the Boom Shack band, basically. Oh, that would have been and really it was, cool. was great, you know. Yeah. And she, she travels with her husband, who's her manager, and they yeah. are this old couple that cruise around the world and they have pickup bands, but they play in, like, clubs yeah. and bars. Yeah. And that makes sense. And yes. the Wellington show certainly worked because yeah. Boom Shack band was perfect for it. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, taking a pickup band to a stadium just feels... I feel like yeah, totally. there's something a bit funky oh, there. totally. Well, yeah. you know what? I, there was a there's a it was there's an irony because there was a um, you know this guy you know reckons he didn't get paid and all of this sort of stuff all this you know all the stories about missing out on money and all of that sort of thing over the years and then there's a live recording that you can buy that um, has that local pickup band on it and none of them knew anything about it which is kind of kind of a yeah, a, a ghastly a, irony. I see. I think. He is a genuine person. I got that feeling from same, him. Same. And his girlfriend, Bonnie, who mm. you wouldn't have met her probably. No, she no. sat side of stage the whole time. Yeah. If I don't know if you noticed, but the microphone had a yellow covering on it mm. so he can see it. Right. She's wearing yellow side of stage yeah, right. so he can see it. Yeah. She's awesome. They've yeah. been together for 15 years. Yeah. And I really kind of got a really good feel about yeah. them as people and you know and, and it's also like we just we're just little tiny mm. we're just little tiny segments of one night that's much bigger than us and it's oh, nothing sure. to do with us it's just interesting because i um that i think that second gig in particular it's just killed his music for me which is because mm. i was into you know he wrote some incre- some incredible lyrics and for sure songs. and and you know and and about social things that are still really significant in America mm. at this point, more just the same as and any al- other. And also, my, trying to get a job, you know, not having money, not having a job, not all of that shit. That's well, my discovery of of, of his music, or my the recommendation that led me to his music, goes back to what you were talking about with the, you know, the loss of the service desks at the library. It went back yeah, we to the old-fashioned record yeah. store where you got a you you yeah. built up a relationship with someone and they recommended something to you yes. so you know I, I got into stuff because of the good old fisheye discs and Seamus, yeah, Seamus was incredible and he put me on to so many kind of key albums and artists and and so I, every time I used to listen to him it was wrapped up in that Yeah. and just uh, it, it, it doesn't always happen for me but it's kind of been completely killed I, I feel that way like this is a totally different record store mm. But it was a cafe as what well. Parsons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Down there. I was a yeah, yeah. huge fan of. Do you know how classical many, and jazz? Classical and jazz, thing, right? and a beautiful yeah. um, bookstore. Yep, yep. As well. Yeah. And it's down the other end, so it was in the yeah, CBD yeah, yeah, area. Yeah. But as far as like going to have a, a filtered coffee and like a nice little mm. pie for lunch, mm. good place to have a band meeting. We always had to worry yeah, about yeah, band yeah. meetings. Well, let's go to Parsons. That sounds great. It was a neat little place. It's a cool little place. They got know? really. Uh, I they got. I felt a little bit conflicted because they got really. Um, the, I think one of the dudes wrote a letter into the paper, basically saying that you know, 
borders setting up on Lambton Key was mm. kind of the final nail in their coffin and I and I was a real appreciator of Parsons but I've worked at borders like it was my job <laughs> getting back into and I sort oh, of no. I felt a tiny bit stink and then I was like oh well it's not you know the problem's bigger than just me <laughs> but the yeah the problem is bigger yeah. than that and it's a little bit sad because those smaller industries mm. um, I think there is a resurgence to getting back to local yeah yeah and I think it's imperative but mm. boy it takes guts to stay in the game you know like mm. i'm really really proud to be associated with Slowboat. i was Records just gonna say let's bring them up since uh, you've got an association with them because but i've got an association with like yeah. we've got a real association with Slowboat because mm. dennis has invested his time and his um <laughs> money yeah, yeah. <laughs> into us releasing a vinyl record for the second time like yeah. our last record yeah. as well yeah and 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 he's done and and it's not something that happens often. No. I I, I also want to mention that I have a relationship, a really really good relationship with Rough Peel, who are in yeah. Cuba Street. Yeah. And I have a really good relationship with Upper at Death Ray Records, and I try and have that with any record yeah. store because if you're staying in the game mm. as a New Zealand record store owner, you, you you're with us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You you're with us mm. as far as musicians go. And also, you grew, you know, you you grew up, you fondly detailed. Yeah, and there were before lots of the feeling of, of growing up with records and learning yeah. how to appreciate them, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was. I don't even remember the name of the record store in Hastings, but there was one. There was Sutcliffe's. There was Sutcliffe's. Music, music instruments, but also music. Not so and much Sutcliffe's. There yeah. was one that was a little narrow one that with little beat music. Beat music. Yeah. Okay. And here at Tonga Street, yeah, right? And then there was the one that changed you know it, it was whatever was the brand du jour it was hmv it was brashes it was ecm it that's was, right yeah and then it changed and it moved to kmart mm-hmm. i remember mm. that going to kmart totally. and getting cafe del mar for five dollars and feel like i'd won the jackpot you know like <laughs> 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 i don't know why it's just like and I, but I felt a bit stink. Yeah. I totally felt stink yeah. about buying that. So I'm still a huge fan of secondhand records. Mm. When we get rental cars, um, we always get the really mm. low end, old, 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 mm. um, cheap rental cars to fit five band <laughs> members in. It's great yeah. with all of our shit. Um, we always go to secondhand stores and yeah. get a cup. Well, I do if I'm in the car, as I go and get a couple of like. They're a dollar each or two dollars each for yeah. a CD because yeah, you've still yeah. got CD players mostly. Yeah, yeah. And you listen to some something at the end, you just kind of get rid of it. But it's that thing of having that stuff in the car. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the record, you, you did a first album in what, 2014? Yes. 13, so the first 13, record 14. we we did was, um, I mean, you know, like I... That's the first big record. We've made a few yeah, EPs yeah. before. Yeah, 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 and yeah. our EPs are all self-made. Yeah, yeah. And no, that's what I mean. The first sort of proper full-length album comes out then. You know, I don't want to wince at some of that stuff. But sure. This is your your learning in front of. Yeah. You know, you're learning your craft yeah. in front of all stuff, and yeah. um, we were just having a go, really. And it's mm. the easy. You know, I loved making those EPs because, like, do you know how many? CD covers I have signed on my sewing machine and ha- got a stamp made and handwritten. Yeah. People own them in their houses, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm hoping, you know, one day they'll make them lots of money or they'll just get rid of them, whatever. <laughs> but, um, and then when we made our first CD, we went down to Littleton 
to with Ben Edwards and we yeah. made our record. We didn't finish the record with him as far as mixing went because North Island and South Island became quite, we've always had a little trouble with mixing by having people that we really dearly love wanting to do stuff and being too far away from yeah, us. Yeah. And we didn't make a lot of money. So we at this point, we're totally self-funded, mm. completely. So mm. we do shows. We don't pay ourselves. Yeah, yeah. All of the money goes, goes into, into the band. Band kitty. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was really proud of us getting that record out. We had a lot. It didn't. It wasn't. I'm a slow burn. I don't. Mm. I don't think there's. I don't. I don't think we're a hit. I don't even know what to say. It's mm. like we're just a band. We made. I made a lot of songs, and these are the songs that we deemed worked out, and we put on a record. And yeah. We loved playing those shows. Mm. We got a lot of shows. Doing shows, making a record makes you, I, I believe, way better at performing that work mm -hmm. live mm -hmm. because you have gone through it with a fine tooth comb mm. um, at the time. Well, it a, a, makes the show a celebration of something, or it's a, you know, it's a reason for You're the show. You're comfortable with each other, though, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. as a band. You're sure. much more comfortable with each other. Sure. You're like, oh, I know where this and is the, going, and, and you can take a few more risks, maybe. And the dialogue's already open with your audience. You know, yeah. in a way, like hopefully. Yeah. yeah. You know, not not every you, you always open to winning people over on the night and hoping that they bring someone along that hasn't heard you before. And I just really always there, hoped. But I always just really hoped that I didn't fuck up too early on stage. Mm. In all honesty, I'm like, if I didn't really fuck up too bad, I'm, I've done all right. And, and so if people came, that's awesome. When people started coming that we didn't know, that was a huge day for me. I was like, oh my so God, I don't know these people. This is amazing. And so for someone who worried about public speaking and is prone to anxiety, how many times do you think you've right royally fucked up on stage? Oh, I've definitely fucked up a few times <laughs> on stage. So I've just said things that are so inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um... For me, the worst things that I've I've actually had a I've actually had a, a um a my worst ever gig you were at, and you were in the other room. I and must it, have sent something. Yes. <laughs> where, where, where was this? I what time was this? The worst gig I I have ever done, yeah. and it was so sad yeah. for me because I was in the middle of a national. There's only two shows, but they were really yeah. big shows with Beth Orton. And we came back, and it was a Tuesday night, and we did the Carterton Event Centre, and we did the songs of Leonard Cohen. Oh, yeah, yeah, And you were, you yeah, were yeah. interviewing Sylvie Silvie. Simmons. Yeah, 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 of course. And I was terrified of you. Oh, really? I was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrified of you. I was like, oh, my God. Brilliant. What, terrified that I was there? It was being, or you were there. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. You know, this is Mr. Ruthless. Right. He's yeah, on the yeah, fucking yeah. stage. He's going, yeah. oh, crap. Sylvie, what a darling. Yeah, she was cool. What an amazing person. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. won over by her She's completely. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I'd met her, um, you know, before. I'd met her when I went over to the States uh, the first time. And so I think that's why Mark and there were other... got me to interview her because I had actually met her. And you know stuff about stuff. Like, you understand. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But, you know. And... Yeah, 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 for sure. But also, I think it helped. Because I remember her saying um, something about. Like I think he had said, "Oh, Simon will be interviewing you," and she was going, "Who's who's Simon?" Yeah, yeah. and it wasn't until about the third conversation with him that she, he clicked. She said must... my surname or whatever, and she was like, "Oh, why don't you just say that?" Yes, I've oh. met him. You know, I know who he is. So, um, 
Well, I, I didn't actually, that's funny because I didn't hear, I don't know what you did that night. Like, that's good. I, so I'm so pleased. I didn't hear. Any it was of really, the, it was. It, I really didn't hear any of the music. I remember going to the site. It's like a stage. bad abstract painting right. occurred. Right. When you were supposed to be kind of like, mm. you're meant to make sense. What did you play? Um, well, first off, it was Leonard Cohen. And yeah, yeah. he's the six, yeah. eight timing that I wasn't yeah. used to. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm stuck in a different land yeah. at this point. Yeah. And um, it, it, this is the most significant songwriter in the world, yeah, you yeah. know. And Sylvie so, Simmons is on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. Simon Sweet was on stage and National Radio <laughs> are recording it. And my peers are with me. So yeah. there's some people that are really good from the ukulele, um, National, uh, International Ukulele Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got Jesse Sheehan. Is it Jesse yeah, Sheehan? Jesse Sheehan. And yeah. then you've got the guy. French for Rabbits. French for Rabbits. And you had the guys from um, John the Baptist. That's right. And they're all actually musicians, and I felt like, what the fuck am I? I was so lack of sleep. I'd had because I'd been away with this B thought and the gigs. I was quite mm. tired, mm. and basically, um, I had to stop and start a song twice oh, on right. stage. Gosh, yeah, now see, I'm oblivious to all that. I'm so pleased. See, I, I, I was the, I, that is the most horrific thing that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, that's because pretty, I wanted that's to quite know a, it. Quite a, um, that was quite a. Uh, my, my, my memory of that night is that it was quite a sort of being that it was Leonard Cohen and you quite, know, a, and, quite a hushed reverential kind of tone and you know a, a bunch of sort of um, yeah people in the audience who clearly cared about him and his I think music. it was a point and the thing was is that we'd actually done a really great rehearsal on mm. the stage and sound sheet and Sylvie had stood on the side and she's like Oh wow! You right. guys are amazing. You sounded so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You remind me of whoever it yeah. was, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be okay." Yeah, yeah. I and got that wasn't. feeling, and it totally <laughs> wasn't. Because I, I, I drove over, and that's took, my worst gig of all time. That's classic. I but there has been another one for technical reasons, which was right. the worst. Yeah, There's yeah. different categories. Well, I can have different categories. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Different categories for band to band dynamics. Yeah. Total and utter royal lead singer fuck ups and I do technology. Re- I technology. Do, one thing I do remember about that Leonard Cohen thing, because yeah, like I obviously I went over with a specific job to do, so I, yeah. I, I really didn't wasn't interested in in. You weren't interested in the music. I wasn't. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't be because the whole. I couldn't be because the whole um, interview thing we played out on stage yeah. with Sylvie was was completely done on the hoof. Like there yeah. was no, there was no notes or um, and we between each kind of session we were backstage sort of talking about what so we were going to talk about. We had such different experiences yeah. that because I yeah. was totally did not give a shit what anything was said on stage. I just wanted <laughs> to nail not. the song. Yeah, we were both so just trying to do our jobs, right? So and our jobs were completely different. The first song, which is the simplest song, which is Bird on a Wire, right? right. That's yeah. not a difficult song. But there are a lot of words in a Leonard mm. Cohen song. Mm. And so um managed to be... I just... What had happened is just before I'd gone on stage, I'd gone and played a couple of songs with John the Baptist because I was so fat. It was kind of like being, you know, I said that thing about having heightened anxiety. Mm. Mm. When that happens, sometimes I'm like a kid that doesn't know where to be. Mm. I just kind of flit mm. around. Mm. Most people don't know that about my personality. I mean, if you know me closely, you'd know mm. that. Mm. And so you're not really focused. So by the time I got on the stage, even though we'd done a good rehearsal, I was still uh, to 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 perform those songs in a way that I felt was really worthy of the songs I had to work quite hard fo- in focus mm. and um, I was just I, I just wasn't there mm. and and I was tired mm. 
when I say tired, I'd had probably about altogether nine or ten hours sleep in a in, in about three days mm. because of these other shows that we'd done. So I was really on the bed. And I'd gone to work that day because mm. I had to try and retain my work. So if, we, if you're a working musician and you've got a normal day job yeah. and you're a solo mother and you've got a, you know, so I had a child and I had these really tight restrictions on my time. Yeah. I, it's really challenging. Yeah. So I can't, I can't wing it. I can yeah. wing my own songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I practice them and I write them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other people's, nah, I have to work really hard for covers. So no Leonard Cohen covers on the tour now? Well, You're interestingly gonna... <laughs> enough, after that happened, I had to get back on the horse. So the one that yeah. really went down the Googler was yeah. um, Chelsea Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I love that song. Mm, great song. It's an amazing song, and I've done it several times since. Mm. And I sing it a little bit. I don't sing it like him, right? Mm-hmm. So I started doing it in a different... I've got a different register, so I... And I love that song very mm. much. And I... Uh, so, yeah, I've started... I, I did it for a while just to get back on the horse, because mm. I was like... But not when I left... Di- yeah, not so I left that gig early and cried all the way home on the Rimatuckers. <laughs> I, fuck this, is all I could have. I'm like, fuck this, fuck this. And it was a real low moment, and it's kind of like... It could actually break yeah. your spirit a wee bit. So I... As I did at the time, I phoned a friend because musicians are always up really late. Mm. Like you can mm. phone a friend at one o'clock in the morning; they'll be up. Mm. And he was, and we talked about it. And he proceeded to tell me all of the things that had ever gone wrong on any of their major mm. performances. And I did point out that they were all technical issues and not artistic fall mm. downs. Mm. So I still felt like I was more <laughs> like no one understood your pain. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Part. More like I was a failure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. But I think you've kind of got to have that to get back on the other side. Mm. So I did. I don't think we've had anything as horrific ever since. That is bad. I mean, it, that sounds bad. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, 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 indulge me here like you were terrified of me at that when did you become not terrified of me when I reviewed your second album and said it was okay you know or more than okay probably probably yeah 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 because I, I can't remember how how we you didn't it. review it at the time no nah, you didn't not. it was later yeah you, yeah yeah and what that it, sounds like me so what it was is I went to this um, sorry just yeah, turning that off I went to this gig and I don't know whose gig it was actually and you said to me I was standing in the it was a huge gig it might have been Hannah's or some, something I don't know and you said oh by the way if I listened to your album and I really liked it I haven't written anything about it but I will oh right yeah, and yeah, I turned around right. after and I said oh wow thanks I wouldn't ever really mean yeah 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 Interestingly enough, I probably almost have a few car accidents with you in Arrow Valley from driving too fast down one way, like down some of the streets. I'm thinking, that's Simon Sweetman. Shit, I should be careful. Imagine if I had a car accident, Simon Sweetman. What a meeting, because I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a rally driver. Right, yeah. And um, you said that, and I remember going, oh god, that's nice. And I'm glad that it was. I I feel pretty. I feel like I don't. Um, I feel a bit strange about music criticism because it, there's this thing that like the champions of music I'm, I'm understanding what it means now mm-hmm. Jason's kind of pointed it out to me because I have these gaps I don't always know but he's like well if you don't have 
someone championing music or letting you know about it. Like, how would we know about all these international artists that don't tour here, mm. but as New Zealanders, we find out about them. So mm. a lot of artists like that. Like, I, there's a few records last year, a record that I listened to a lot was Andy Shelf's The Party. I just completely fell in love with the production of it. I really loved Angel Olsen. She did come here. That even mm. convinced me more, actually, about her work, was her live show was amazing. Um, I don't know. And then I found out a bit more about what it means. And that there's different critics out there. But I kind of feel like you can be friendly, but I feel a little bit like you shouldn't be too close. Mm. I'm saying this out loud to you now yeah, yeah. in your living room. Yeah. Because With a new record about to be released. Yeah. <laughs> I guess because it's real. Yeah, of course. This is the way I think yeah. about it. It's yeah. like, well, I'm not sure is it old school to think, well, you shouldn't have too... Like, you need to have... Um, What's that word? You need to have a little bit of distance because mm. they, you need to be able to say whatever you need to say, mm. and I need to be able to say whatever I need to say. Yeah, that's my that's my yeah, right great. as an artist, and yeah. it's your right as a critic. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm and not in anybody's pocket in that way. Totally, but I've received a lot of help. That's you know, which I'm incredibly grateful for because. So if you haven't written those words about our album and listened to it with an ear, then we wouldn't have these great quotes of credibility to mm. be able to put towards our work, which has helped us with maybe applying for festivals sure. or other work or yeah, yeah. working with certain people. And you know, luckily for me, my alliances are probably more in a musical community from other artists. So yeah. I've been very blessed that we've made connections with the Eastern and Marlon and Hannah and Nadia and, and Tony Rizzi. It's people that are of, for me, incredible value mm. in the music industry and in, in my world. And so I'm lucky enough that some of those people have I have a really strong kinship to in regards to life. Mm. But um, they can say and do whatever they think and I need to be able to do the same. But I don't know, I feel like there's like this... Yeah, I, I, this is a New Zealand is a village, mm. you know. But see, that's one of the reasons I wanted to. I guess I mean I don't just always talk to musicians, but or or write, or other writers that I've written about or anything. But it's one of the reasons I started the podcast was it's nice to be able to just talk to, to them, talk to people, and yeah. and and I guess show people that I'm a person and that I'm approachable because because you know the, the thing you were saying about distance is very true from from my side too. I mean if. If um, if I'm at a gig and you see me backstage and it's not something like that, then the Cohen thing where I'm actually working, then fucking shoot me. You know, I don't want to be backstage at a person's gig unless they're a really good friend of mine or mm. or I'm on the bill in some capacity because my otherwise my job's there to comment on the music and I the the handful of times I have been backstage at things for a re, for one reason or another I, I see all the fucking suck up wannabe music journos and they're revolting like watching them operate you know and I, and I get that you know the craft of music journalism doesn't really exist anymore and I get that when you're young and hungry and you're a student journalist and stuff mm. it's exciting to go backstage or to whatever but it's actually fucking boring and well, it's I, not really what you're supposed to be doing unless, I, unless you're back there to I do an really interview I don't really fit yeah. the mould of this thing no. that says um, so I don't really well neither do I I, think, I don't like. really get starstruck anymore no. I get incredible reverence like I do, I do have those movement I have respect yeah. a deep respect and that goes across any art form or person sure actually it could just be the way 
that the way that they think or something so I relate I really like I've really loved listening to interviews actually mm. like this not dissimilar mm. to this mm. from some, some heroes of mine but I don't always love their music like I'm not a huge Joni Mitchell fan mm. but I really love her mm. I think she's an amazing person with an incredible outlook on life and she's quite direct yeah and um, and I love some of her music, but I'm not a massive fan. But that hasn't, and it's the same with Patty. I think about Patty Smith, and I think mm. there's this huge resurgence because she's become a you know I mm. guess more of a writer now. So mm. her music and what an amazing, Just Kids was an incredible oh, book. Oh yeah, that was that, that yeah, book yeah. blew my so mind. Good. Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't read, and it's so fast paced yeah. with a lot in it. Yeah, that I hadn't read for a while. So that was, and I I don't. I can't do music if I'm going to try and um, edit myself to be something yeah. that the industry wants me yeah. to be. Yeah. So I don't know how yeah. it's all going to work out. But you've so yeah, that's interesting. Like you, you know, we talked about Rodriguez and you mentioned opening for Beth Thought and you, you've had some quite good um, yeah. support slots where you'd and you know sometimes you probably don't get to meet the person or if you do, it's a real token. This is such and such. Sometimes hard. it's a token and but sometimes it's have you had some, super yeah. cool, man. Like yeah. Beth was amazing. Yeah, she's way more interesting to me now that I've met her like I was yeah. quite struck by her yeah. she's really tall like, yeah, yeah. and hilarious I, 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 really didn't, I didn't go to that show but I, I saw it like at the big day out years ago when I was quite a fan and it's not that I'm not now but I just haven't yeah. kept up with all of her stuff but I thought she was great she, she she's a classic she's, yeah. one that of, reminds me of like an extroverted introvert right yeah 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 I reckon yeah. she's that I yeah. reckon she's totally that she's really smart yeah and she's got this cute little English accent and mm. it's a little bit posh but she's not really posh she's yeah. just herself yeah and uh and she was awesome I don't know I've met a you know, like I, I've been lucky to. I felt really nervous about being interviewed because sometimes I come across alright, and sometimes I just come across like I don't know if I've got any. I find it hard. Like you asking me questions is good, because I find it hard to produce well, some done kind that, of that much. Have I? Well, no, more like asking me to yeah, explain yeah. Yeah, things. Yeah, sure, sure. So, how do you think this is going? Well, I think I haven't. Good until I've asked you how you think it's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really nice to yeah. meet you in your home, I have to say. Yeah. Because um, it's that it's like it is about the music. We we have worked our asses off as a mm, band, mm. and I really toured so much at the end of 2015 and in 2016 to the point um, that I had to kind of slow right down because mm. because for me to I feel intensely proud of my. Friends in music who are touring internationally, mm. um, and all of them, and they're, they're quite pul- they're quite different. All of the mm. people that are taking off, they're quite mm. different, you know. But I'm so proud of them for doing it. I um, and I really want to go overseas, and I just I don't know. Our band had to cement itself with a new drummer um, to cement itself and in, back into who we are. It's really good, mm. you know. Mm. And the live shows are different than a record. Mm. So you know, um, unless you got I any, love playing un, unless you got anything else after this you want to um, talk about, I, I feel like we should 
talk a little bit more about the the new album and and what's coming up. So yeah. So how long have you sat on this record for? So you made it a while ago. We made it in January of 2017. Yeah. And we hired. uh, We didn't hire. We asked friends. We did a we did a fundraising show which you were at. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Did I DJ at that one? Yeah. Yeah yeah. It was great. Thank you. Did a great job. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, and it yeah. was a big turnout. It was a good gig, yeah. And, uh, shit, I hope some people come back, eh? It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, and you had Barry Saunders play as yeah. well. And yeah, and we had cool. Nadia yeah. play. Yeah. And, no, Barry didn't oh, play. Oh, no, the, uh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah, played yeah. lots for yeah, us, yeah, but yeah. Um, Nadia played, Rosie Tinty, Caddy played, yeah. Kim and Dusty played with mates, so that mm. Richard Klein played with them, and he's really good. Yeah, he's great. So, and it was a good kind of kind of split of people really mm. and um, it was cool and from that we made a record you know like we've just had to just keep plugging into ourselves to make the money by doing the shows and investing ourselves and we went out to this beautiful beautiful big old historic house that our friend out in um, Carterton helped us get from a family you mm. know it's their family home they let us have it for free mm. I mean I cleaned that six bedroom two story 1870s mansion that is mm. quite old from top to toe yeah 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 <laughs> we got bred over from australia his family came for half of it some of our kids were there for some of it but mostly it was a glorious time and um but we had to slow down and then i overcooked the record so there was more to it than this right would you do you mean um song number wise or we had we had 11 tracks it's down yeah. to nine now yeah, yeah i like that length and I feel like nine tracks is something that it actually works really well on a vinyl mm. because if you have much more than that, it doesn't actually fit yeah, mu- yeah, yeah, yeah. minute-wise. But also we had another yeah. couple of songs, one that I really wanted to work, and it just didn't work. Right. It was a faster one. It was a bit more gutsy. Didn't suit the time. It didn't suit. The, it didn't come off in a way that is in a way that really... We didn't actually have time to settle with it. With our previous record, we'd actually toured with it. Yeah, we'd just been playing the songs more, so it was really quick to come out that way. This one, I don't think it was long for it to come out, but we did... um, We then tried to fix the songs up and really just had to take the songs off. Mm. I didn't need any more cooking. It just needed to come off. And I've got this real love with kind of more spaciousness in music at the moment. Um, I don't really fully understand what production meant until I've really started listening to music differently in the last two years, especially mm. in the last two years. Mm. And it's been glorious to go, ah, oh, yeah. those little things about yeah. production, that super interesting sound as a whole, I find incredibly interesting. Um, anyway, so with the band, it cemented us with our drummer, which was awesome, and I just absolutely love Justin because he has been on tour with us on and off since 2014. It yeah, wasn't right. a new thing. It yeah, was, yeah. and um, it might not have worked, but it did work. And um, yeah, Bryn's playing less stuff. He's more just lap steel now, which I think is really great because yeah. it, Jason's shifted more into a guitar role, and. We just tried out different things. We had some um, singing and stuff on some of the other stuff that didn't really work, and we had another track that was six and a half minutes long, and it and it's a beautiful song, mm. but it um, it might be a special feature that we use later right. down the track yeah, as, yeah. as a yeah. one-off. Yeah. I've just kind of kept that one up my sleeve for a yeah. later date, um, and I didn't write that song, and I really want to use it at some point, but. Um, 
I think this is the right thing for now and yeah our playing together has just gotten better mm. I think that's one thing that you know that the band's doing alright yeah, yeah, yeah. is that playing together is a real joy but musically you, you kind of get to know each other so well that you can kind of push push off mm. Mm. yeah so I don't know we're a funny old bunch but you know so I really like us where are you going you're doing quite an extensive tour yeah we're doing 13 shows around yeah. New Zealand and that We'll start I mean, in Pai Kokoriki, go to Wellington. You don't have to list want to, because I'll put a link to it. You'll put but a link in. I'm just, yeah, yeah. But, but we're doing the centres, and yeah. we're doing other smaller towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is imperative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and you're, um, I mean, I guess you've visited them before, but your sound obviously kind We of, have never been to Gisborne. And you're going this time? We're going, it's cool. the last. Yeah. They, the Poverty Bay Blues Club wanted us to go up there, like, in 2014 mm. we've never managed to make it work and I was like bugger it guys we're doing it this time cool so we're driving from Featherston to Gisborne wow on the last day of the tour yeah to play a show at the Dome Cinema yeah on the 12th of May yeah but we're playing everywhere between so the record gets released on the 20 3rd of March and we do our first show in Paikokoriki then we go to Wellington then we go to the South Island we play Nelson Muscle and then we come back to the North Island for some Auckland Hawke's Bay mm. and we're going to do a show together with Carnivorous Plant Society yeah. at the Tuning Fork which I'm yeah. really excited about because I think they're an amazing group of musicians yeah. and um, yeah it's, then we go back down to the South Island but Dunedin Christchurch and then we come back up to the North Island and I have been humbled by our audience and I have really learnt that if you take music there and you, I guess, make sure you market it so people know to come, Mm -mm. there are not many towns that don't love music. Yeah, yeah. Like, really, they're just, sometimes it's just an absolute cracker. Like, Mm. It's a nice reminder of, um, it's a nice reminder in this day and age, I think, of the sort of feeling and power of, community you know like like just a little burst of community you know like yep. you're you're all there are there are bigger examples and better examples maybe but in that moment you're you know you're all part of something and it's quite nice isn't and that's it? new Ze- that's a yeah. new zealand tour yeah like and there are some people who are going to be gutted that the, we're not going yeah, to their yeah, towns yeah. and i already yeah. know who they are yeah. <laughs> So what? Ha- what happens? So that's okay because we'll do that. I was like say, that'll be the next, the next tour, tour. Is we'll go, you know, west coast, way down south. So there's right, some people. Yeah. I want to go back to Invercargill. Yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah. It said no one ever, but. We had a really great show there. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing in this, you know, like this. Yeah, into the west coast and to some places in the North Island that we won't be going on this tour. So yeah. You can't go everywhere. No. But you know, luckily for us. We and do have people that will get behind us, whether that is a house concert or a more mm. bigger show. So what I was going to say, what happens the rest of the year? Obviously, you, you fill it out with a few more shows, do another tour. Are you already booking the second tour, mate? Already yeah. booking the second tour. Yeah, and you're happy being well. You're not just you're the front person; it's your vehicle in a way. But you're happy being part of a band. You're not going to like. You're not waiting to bust out the solo album and the solo shows. And <laughs> You're asking a very pointed question. <laughs> I'm allowed to. Oh, we've been going for long enough. I'm allowed to, right? Yeah. Um, my band and I, my band really want me to hurry up and do something for myself too because I'm a pain in the ass to them. Right. Because I um, can't. So 
I absolutely, we, Evans Ferry will just continue on because mm. we actually really love being in a band together. It feels like a very clearly defined sound that is... I want to branch into some other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you, which you've alluded to, but but um, the Evans Ferry sound is obviously evolving with each record, but it's it, it does have a distinct flavour, I think. So yeah. what I'm saying is I can see how it will always, you'll always come back to it. It will always yeah, exist. Yeah, and I can't make that sound by myself. No, no. I don't make that sound. Yeah. But Ebony Lamb solo is quite different, and I do do solo shows. Yeah. And I really love doing duo and trio shows as well, so we're going to do some of that stuff. Yeah. I'm definitely looking – it's quite tricky to, to – to go overseas with a five-piece band. Yeah, yeah. The costs involved with a New Zealand tour are huge. Yeah. So please come to the show yeah. so that we can pay our tour costs. Yeah, that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. We'll do a really good show for you. You know, we're going to have this visual installation from this lovely guy called Mike Haynes, who's an artist. And, um, you know, I think it's a good combination because I w- I've always wanted to have that. Because you actually will often go to some of those places and the lighting is the last thing anybody's ever thought of. I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have a projection? Like, other people are doing it. I know that. It's not to be cinema, but it's mm. to be part of the music. Interactive. And Interactive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to create kind of movement. Yeah. Because the music's moving yeah. all the time, you yeah. know? Yeah, And, uh, yeah, so... So we're doing that this time round and he's we're just doing some filming and he's a model artist, so he's putting together... All these different ideas, and he's done a lot of stuff for people like the Rishkolnikovs. He's kind of like not mm-hmm. outsider art, that's but definitely he's got his own thing going on. Yeah, but he he slightly fringe, definitely. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. is actually part of who I am. I'm not. Yeah. Going to um, make the most perfectly yeah. formed thing to yeah. hit the mainstream audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what my target is. Yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But it's approachable. I don't think we've ever... uh, You know, we say all these things, but one thing that really struck me, and I have always appreciated it from audiences, like the first time we ever went to Whanganui, played the Whanganui Musicians Club. It was a Friday night. Joel Mulholland, I think, played the same night. And a whole lot of locals. And this old guy came up to me. He was about 70. Mm. He was at the show. He mm. said, hi, Ebony, it's so good to meet you. Could you please sign the CD? He said, this is so stupid. I heard you on national radio. I haven't been to a show since I was 23 years old. But I heard your music and I heard you talk and I thought, shit, I want to go to that show. And that is like, mm. what a what a humbling experience mm. that a 70-year-old man came to my show because mm. he heard me talk mm. about music and it's my music and he bought the cd and now he has to buy a cd player mm. <laughs> um but we've heard that over and over again yeah, yeah so i mean i feel like it's a confirmation to me that the reason i go out there on the road is confirmed back to me in the sure. audience it is yeah. it is twofold like it yeah. i get a lot from that yeah hugely important yeah like i don't miss the magic yeah. That's totally the magic. That old guy is the magic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, we've had a pretty good chat, I reckon, about a bunch of things. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I feel like this is my confirmation that I'm no longer terrifying <laughs> um, to you. But is there anything that you, uh, you've given the show and the album a plug? 
yeah. is there anything else that you need to or that you hoped I'd ask you or that you need to put out I reckon I just really believe that if um, I don't know if there's anything I need to put out I mean Should we I say want to yeah yeah I really want people to I would love it if people could invest in music again by coming to shows not just because I need you to come financially mm, so my mm. band can go on the road mm. but because um, it is it's a it's not an inst- that experience for me I think it's amazing when if you, if I think about how much effort goes into a show so we drive there we plug in the things we play these songs that we've rehearsed and stuff but it's not just it's not it's not some kind of business entertainment it's a it's a it's an experience that is incredibly important and I feel like live music is giving us an experience that we don't always get online you know like we live so I know because I'm a little bit addicted to being online I need to get off it but it's that thing of like um it's in the moment Mm -hmm. this that night will never be repeated again like Mm. I have all these beautiful memories of all these shows god there's a shitload of effort goes into those shows and I think yeah I, I don't know I think about what what changed my life and music continues to change my life in that way for better so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's too wishy-washy, but I just really want everyone to come to the show. <laughs> and do. the new record is out in all independent record stores and online. Yeah, yeah. And it's called Seeing Things, and there's a beautiful painting by our friend Harriet Bright, who is um, actually she won the Adam Portrait Award previously. She's an amazing artist, and there's this beautiful painting on the front of this man. And um, he kind of represents where I was at, really. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to people hearing it because I, you know, what I've heard of it, I think it's great. Thanks, Simon. Cool. Thank you. I'll be 